Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And we are back. Yes, uh, we, we took are. We took a couple days off there, actually three nights off, as we traveled to Los Angeles to be part of the Radio and Records Talk Radio Seminar. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll talk about that here in a few moments. But first, again, 1-800-259-9231. Don't forget to join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Yes, it says we'll be back Monday, and it is Monday, so here we are. Um, there, were, I guess, were a couple of highlights from the trip that we should talk about. Yeah. First off, my uh, whole point, I guess, uh, what I was talking about before the trip was that I was going to travel without showing identification because we've had phone calls uh, from listeners over the past couple of years saying this is possible. Of course, I think it's John Gilmore is the guy's name from Sun Microsystems, uh, the founder of Sun Microsystems, who has sort of made a name for himself as far as beyond the business that he's he's created, Mm -hmm. but made a name for himself in the world of activism by crossing uh, by getting on uh, flights without showing identification and blogging about it and really bringing a lot of attention to this. The fact that in America you can still travel without showing identification to government agents. And I think that that's a great thing. So I wanted to give it a try myself. And I did. Um, We did it flying out of Manchester. And everything went smoothly. Um, I didn't have any gruff, surly bureaucrats. The guy uh, seemed to be a little bit too happy to uh, pat me down. Your belt got broken. Yeah, they did uh, uh, break my belt, and they didn't... uh, I didn't see it happen, Uh, but that's because when you get the super special secret search, the SSSS Mm -hmm. written on your ticket, when you don't show identification, they go through your whole bag, pretty much. Right. Um, So they were sort of going through the bag as I was getting searched, and then I went over and watched as they went through the rest of the bag. Uh, the, the lady actually did apologize for not packing the bag back as well as I'd packed it. Mm-hmm. At least she apologized. I'll give her points for that. I understand. Yeah, there's there's something to be said for it. And she didn't have to. And but that's the other thing. Is right. She, she had no incentive to, to do it other than uh, good rearing. Right. Um. And you know that's that's where it comes from. You know, bureau, the whole idea that bureaucrats don't care. They're emotionless, heartless people. She's not in any way incentivized. Not you know not um to to be to to not be rude mm, indeed so uh, everything went smoothly um, they just give you a closer check whenever that happens it didn't do too much to get me um, ahead of anyone mm-hmm. because there was no, there were no lines <laughs> it didn't do you the time any we good. Left. I, I stood and wait, waited for you right yeah uh, but nonetheless it is true uh, if you don't have identification you can travel. On an airplane. Mm-hmm. I noticed uh, that you uh, you didn't do that on the way back, though, tough guy, through LAX. I just didn't. No, I could have done it at LAX. Why would you want to do that, though? I just didn't feel like it. Oh, those point. people were not nice there. There were more people there, and uh, they, they definitely were more surly at LAX, no doubt about that. Uh, one of them got on my face at LAX because I was putting too many things. He had uh, walked... It's it's the part of the uh, the whole process where you're getting ready and you're putting your stuff in the little bins that they have. Mm-hmm. And so I was putting things – I uh, took my laptop out of the laptop case and put it on top of the case. I had put uh, my bag up there mm-hmm. and also my shoes. Right. And the guy had walked away, had walked down past the metal detector to talk to some of the other bureaucrats mm-hmm. down there or, or to harangue the woman that had gone uh, ahead of me for having a child. Uh, you saw that oh, that was better the, than I that did. was the greatest thing. It, it Hold took on. The... I'll tell that story in a moment because okay. um, it's way better than mine, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, he comes back after I had started – pushing my stuff towards the x-ray machine, and he gets in my face and says, what do you think you're doing? 
And I said, well, I'm putting my stuff in the x-ray. Well, this goes here. And he takes my laptop. He he says, you need to put your laptop in a bin, and you need to put this here. And I said, well, how was I supposed to know that? You weren't here to tell me. And so then he sort of shut up at that point, and we went about the process. Um, But that's about all that happened. That same guy uh, took my shoes. I had placed them on top of my laptop, you know, in a bin, and he took Mm -hmm. them, and he threw them, um, just tossed them into the uh, conveyor belt. They made noise and everything. Uh, Kind yeah, I saw him do that. I kind of looked at him, and he he smiled at me, and I'm like, but you know, I don't know what I think about that. I'll just go through the little yeah. metal detector. Oh, he was sort of smiley. He was having fun being the TSA agent. Uh, I noticed that he had three bottles of water that he had obviously confiscated from someone. They were just sitting there, and he at one point just sort of picked up the bottles and was just playing, you know, playing hoops with the uh, the trash can that was across the aisle. Yeah. Just kind of shooting the bottles at the hoops, just having a good old time with other people's possessions. Mm. <laughs> so we didn't run into uh, to too much trouble from the TSA, thank goodness. Right. Um, 1-800-259-9231. Real quick on the, uh, the, the story. Um, yeah, the woman with, on, the, uh, with the kid. A, a small small child, like two or three a years new, old. A newborn. Really? What are you talking about? I don't know how no, old this This are. baby was a newborn. And uh, she was with her mother, I assume, um, some woman who looked vaguely like her, who uh, seemed to care about the child also. And... and uh, I think there was a grandfather involved. and Anyway, it must have taken, and you can imagine, people are standing in line. It must yeah, have the line was backing up. Ten minutes to unpack all of the stuff from their, you know, baby cart. Um, you know, the, the cart on which you transport the child, and then mm-hmm. all those things that you need for the child. Diapers and um, wet, wet naps and uh, formula. And uh, he had, <clears throat> they, as a matter of fact, the bottles that he was playing hoops with were their bottles. Ah. Um, they, had to go, they had to go purchase more water with, to mix with the formula. He, would, he said that if it's mixed, you can keep it. If it's not mixed, you can't. And uh, so it took 10 minutes to unpack this thing, and then probably another five to repack. And, uh, you know, then each of them had to go through, and that's probably and at least five the, minutes. And since he's the only bureaucrat there mm-hmm. on that side of the device... He would never consider allowing someone else to just come through and put their own things in a bin and move them through the x-ray unit. Because he has to examine every single item that goes through there. Pretty much the case, yeah. I mean, if there had been a second bureaucrat there, then it would have moved. It could have moved faster because he could have sort of spent time with the woman, um, and then the other bureaucrat could have moved everyone else through. But again, they don't care. They're not interested in providing efficiency. They're not interested no, in expediting anything. Matter. So that was our airport experience. You know, and um, it took probably uh, two or, at least two, two or three minutes for each of them to go through. The babies, they had to take the baby's shoes off because God knows they could have been made out of uh, C4. Yeah. I mean, this is a newborn. Barely holds well, its head no, up Mark, kind of newborn. Now, that's not necessarily a terrorist thing. They're probably looking for drugs. <sighs> Whatever. Um, all of us had to wait uh, 20 minutes because this, uh, th- this, this clearly evil woman had the audacity <laughs> to want her move her baby from one location in the United States to another. Yep. It, it's just ridiculous. Um, and it's only getting worse, not better. It's true. You know, what do they care? They're not in any way incentivized to get better at their jobs or be um, more uh, streamlined or any of these things. But yet we're radicals when uh, when we get on the air and, and suggest yeah, we, we uh, talk turning out it over the to the TSA? marketplace. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? So if you want to share your uh, TSA hell stories, as always, the phones are open. If you want to bring up whatever's on your mind, 800-259-9231. But a few, uh, just a few more reflections from the trip outside of the airport. The, the rest of the time in the airport was spent waiting. We had a five-hour layover in Detroit, of which you spent about two and a half hours laying on the ground 
Mm, yes, I did. With a little I, air pillow. I slept. Uh, it wasn't an air pillow. It was air, a real pillow. Air, like flight pillow. Yes, I, uh, I I slept on the floor of the uh, Detroit airport uh, beneath uh, some benches while you ticked away on your laptop. I can't sleep on planes. I just can't sleep sitting up very well. You didn't get any sleep on that red eye? I'd doze off, and then my head would lull to one direction or the other. I've tried those neck pillows. They mm. don't work. Um, so, it, you know, I'd rather sleep on the hard, cold, cold ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all that time in prison. Made it uh, easy for you. No, I, I we had beds in prison. They oh, weren't okay. They weren't particularly soft, but... So this was actually a step down, then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So the, so we got to L.A., and i got to say that over the past two years now, we've been, or a year and a half, I guess at this point, we've been to three talk radio conventions, one in Washington, D.C., one in New York City, and then one in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I liked L.A. better uh, than the other two. I yeah. liked the city of L.A. I didn't like all the travel that we had to do to get there. Yeah, well, obviously flying across the country, but I'm talking about just the just the locale. Mm-hmm. Then again, we didn't actually go into uh, downtown L.A. We didn't actually go no. to where the the skyscrapers were, whereas that's where we were in New York City. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that's oh, ugly that's what, as hell. That's what New York City is right? That's that's probably ugly as hell. But the place where we were at was uh, was very nice. There are actually trees in comparison to uh, Washington D.C. and in uh, New York. So enjoyed that. Also, we got to meet with some of our listeners, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. We had one of them, uh, Ben, take us out uh, for sushi. Yeah, that was uh, nice night, of him. Which was awesome. Very cool. So uh, met another couple of guys at the uh, um, at the hotel. Came to see us just before we left, and that yep. was nice. And uh, let's see what else happened at the. Oh, there's one more story worth telling. And that was the smoking law that we encountered, or what was allegedly a smoking law. I think there's another story, too. It ended up uh, possibly, almost, costing us $250. Mm. We'll explain what happened on the way. You take control as well. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves, toll-free, 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. Bulletin board system included. That's uh, over 200,000 posts, over 1,500 people interacting. All free, bbs.freetalklive.com. Get you to it. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. 800-259-9231. We're just sort of recapping our weekend. We took three nights off from Thursday all the way through Saturday night. In fact, we didn't get back here until about five o'clock on Sunday afternoon. So for us, it was a it was a very long weekend in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and uh, we went out for the talk radio seminar, which is a once a year sort of occasion that uh, Radio and Records puts on. It's a Radio and Records is an industry magazine. It's actually owned by I think it's now owned by the company that owns Billboard. And if you know anything about music radio or just music in general, they always show you the billboard charts, right? Well, now they own Radio and Records magazine, and that sort of talks about all sorts of different radio things. They do different conventions throughout the year. There's a music radio convention. There's a Christian radio convention. And there's the talk radio seminar. So that's why we were in L.A. Last year was in Washington, D.C. And we went to the Marriott, uh, Marina Del Rey Marriott Hotel. Mm Mm-hmm. And when we checked in, they give you a, a little card that says, Arena Del Rey Marriott is proud to be 100% smoke-free. And it says in there that 
uh, and I don't have the, the exact phrase, to paraphrase, it essentially says, you are not to smoke in your room. Correct. It didn't say you can't smoke outside of your room. Right. Or even in the hallway. I mean, like it said, I, I think it said something essentially you can't smoke in the building or in your room anywhere. So, seemed pretty clear and to me. And then it also said there were some designated smoking areas, I believe, that were, uh, you know, a couple of places. Right. So it seemed pretty clear. Um, and you, Mark, have a bit of a habit at night. Yes, I smoke a cigar every day. And you do it right before bed. I do. And uh, so I went out on the balcony. What served as a balcony, it was uh, probably slightly over a foot wide. You could stand in it. You you could. Um, I happened to sit in it. I, I you know sat down on um, out there and and read a book and and smoked my cigar. This is a two hundred dollar a night hotel, by the way. And I shut the door uh, on the sliding glass door. No uh, no smoke wafted into the room. And uh, that's that. You know nobody said nobody said anything to me. Um, and I uh, used as an ashtray one of those uh, little. Little glasses that come um, with the hotel room. room. Glass. Yeah, yeah, I put a little water in it. I don't believe in throwing my butts around. That's how fires get started. And plus, it's it's littering. Dirty. Yeah, sure. it's littering. Um, there's no doubt about it. When you if you were to throw some other wad of cotton and paper uh, um, around, you know that would be the same as a cigarette butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, smokers think it's okay to flick butts, and I I don't. It's gross. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, um, you know, I left some evidence, as it were, out on the uh, balcony, and I guess then the next day. Mm-hmm, uh, the last day we were there, Saturday morning, they always slip the bill underneath the door for you so you can see what the total is. And so uh, I went in, got the bill, and took a look at it. And, okay, $200 a night, there's $200 there, plus all the California taxes, 700 So I looked again. I thought, right. wait a minute, something, something's wrong here. And you asked me, uh, there's some kind of fee here. What's an SMK fee? It was like an SMKG FEE, yeah. and uh, I thought, whoa, what the hell is this? Is it, what is you this? Some kind of government identi- thing. That's right. what you immediately assumed was this government thing. And uh, I could tell just, um, I listened. I thought it was an error. I thought something was wrong. And, uh, you know, I said, that sounds like smoking fee. Yep. And it was a, smo- it was a smoking fee, and apparently the, uh, the hotel had assessed us a $250 fee for smoking in the hotel room, even though they found the evidence out on the porch. There was a cigar that you had left in the hotel room, but they didn't sure. confiscate that. No, they, they didn't. They, the, the maids had come in during the day, and they had cleaned up your, the cigar butt from the porch, mm-hmm. uh, from from that area, and they obviously snitched us out, because the, maybe they get a commission on the $250 fee. I don't know. But they went and snitched us out, so we we went downstairs, and I said, you know, there's something seriously wrong with this bill. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very nice about it with uh, the the desk people, and they were very nice as well. Um, they said that, okay, well, we'll remove this as a courtesy. After sort of going through the process of, hey, look, you know, this wasn't smoked in the room, blah, 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 sort of explaining to them what happened. Right. They said, oh, well, we'll remove it as a courtesy this time. Mm. But as you're not allowed. As though we're going to come back, by the way, to the Marina. Um, well, two years. Marina Del Rey. We, we probably will. Two years. I, do you think they're going to have us on file as one of the people that they've uh, given I doubt it. A, a, you know, a buy to? I, it doesn't seem likely. So, all right, so then they said they're going to remove it as a courtesy, and, you know, that's good and everything, and thank you you for that. But then they said that you're not allowed to smoke on the balcony either. Right. And I said, is that a law? And she said, yes. Now, you think that she just doesn't know the difference between a corporate rule and a law. Right. I I think that there are people out there, and I'm not saying that that this is necessarily the case, but I sort of – I believe this. Is that there's many people out there that'll just use the words law and rule interchangeably. They don't understand the kind of force that goes behind a law versus the kind of force that goes behind a rule. Hmm. 
Well, anyway, so if you're in California and you can confirm or deny that there is indeed a law that prevents hotel room pe- um, people staying in hotel rooms from smoking on their balcony, which there's a club, the way this hotel is set up, this is, this is bizarre. Yes. There's this club called Glow. Which and always made me think, every time I saw it, it would make me think of gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Interesting. <laughs> uh, why? Because that's what their acro- the acronym is, oh. Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Well, Whoa. anyway, this it's this open-air club where you you have to go into the hotel to get into it. Right, it's a courtyard. Then, yeah, it's a courtyard. And then you open a door, and you're inside this open-air courtyard where there's music and stuff. And, of course, the music was pounding till 3 in the morning. Didn't bother uh, me, but I, I know it bothered you, my friend. And so they were smoking cigarettes in the club. Right. Which was directly beneath our room. Right. We're on the second floor. I'm only 10 feet in the air above these people that are smoking within <laughs> feet of me. And the door was closed right. as well. It's not like <laughs> you I... were smoking uh, and the door was wide open. You were blowing the smoke in the room. The door was closed. And there it, was a seal. I mean, the, the question is, if I would have uh, opened the door, um, even when I wasn't smoking, would that have been that I've gotten a fine for just simply allowing their cigarette smoke to waft into the room? Just ridiculous. So, uh, so that's the other story that uh, that I had, and you said there was one that you wanted to. Well, tell? Dennis Miller spoke at the um, talk radio. Comedian Dennis Miller. Comedi- the comedian Dennis Miller, but much the- better than uh, Bill Bennett, the former drug czar who spoke last year. Ugh. He was the uh, the keynote speaker. Is that right? No, Bill Bennett was not the keynote speaker, uh, but Dennis, Dennis Miller, Miller was. was. Okay. Um, but they, but Rush they both the spoke keynote. at the right. same time. Gotcha. Uh, last year, Rush spoke first on the first day. Dennis Miller spoke in the morning. Mm. Um, but anyway, what about Dennis Miller? Well, he's uh, he's going to start a radio show here shortly. Yes, he is. And he's, he will not be competing with us. He will not. No, not at, not at a direct time or anything like that. And right. I, I just thought that it, you know we he he occupied quite a bit of our conversation after his uh, speech. You know, we talked about him a, a great deal. And it, well, the reason for that is because of the whole Hollywood celebrity getting into radio things. Is yeah. that what you wanted to talk about? Well, it's not, nothing uncommon. Um, you know that the, a Hollywood uh, celebrity gets into radio and then um, you know at some point in the relatively near future gets out. Um, the the Hollywood people find out that man, this is a relatively thankless position compared to what I was doing, and um, I don't. And, and I have to get to work every single day? I mean, Three hours a day. Yeah, well, that's four. <laughs> well, I mean, Penn Gillette was doing an hour-long radio show yeah. per day. You'd think hour-long, he'd have really gone at it for a long time, because that's, I mean, that's no big deal, mm-hmm. especially when you're not doing any of the production work. I mean, you're just walking into a studio, sitting down, doing an hour show, and leaving. Right. But it, it, Penn gave up his show recently, which, yeah. of course, I'm very sad about, trying to get him on this show to talk about it. But more on the way about Dennis Miller and those uh, picky Hollywood celebrities. Coming up, 3 Talk Live, you take control. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. Back from a very extended weekend of absence, taking three days off from the show to go out to Los Angeles for the talk radio seminar. Uh, a little bit more about that here in moments. 1 800 259 9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Shrine of Female Listeners is there with dozens and dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove that they listen to the show. See what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine. Dot freetalklive.com. 
And February's winner of the Lysander Spooner Award, Radicals for Capitalism, a freewheeling history of the modern American libertarian movement by Brian Doherty, outlines both the history of libertarianism and its true influence yet to come. Check out this and many other books and videos on liberty at LFB.com. That's laissez-faire books at LFB.com. So we've been talking about a variety of different things that sort of have occurred over the last few days while we were in Los Angeles. Uh, for the talk radio seminar put on by Radio and Records. We were at this hotel, and there was this conflict with the smoking law that we ran into, almost got fined $250 or assessed or feed, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you had started talking about Dennis Miller, who was actually at this conference because he's launching at the end of this month a radio show, a a three-hour-a-day radio show that will be running from 10 a.m., to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Right, Eastern now, Time. The, that, the, the catch there, though, is that Dennis Miller lives in Santa Barbara, California. Mm-hmm. Which so that be, will be 7 to 10 a.m. his time. Something. Yeah, that's yeah. that sounds right. Um, which, you know, the, the important part being 7 a.m. Now, how early do you think he has to get up in order to be at... Uh, this is ABC. Do you think he'll have a studio at his house? I think uh, he probably will. It's possible. It's not expensive to do that. It's it's not it's not entirely impossible. Give him a mic and ISDN line and a little soundproofing. He's good. Okay, so let's say that he doesn't have to. He can do it in his jammies. Yeah. Um, if he if he so chooses, he'll at least have to be up by at 6 a.m. 5:30 a.m. every single day mm-hmm. to do this show at 7 a.m. Eastern time or 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. Even if he could just get out of the bed, even if he could just roll out of bed at 6:30 and do it, it's still. I mean, it's hell. Yeah, even so, I mean, and, Getting, and plus, he claimed that he was going to continue to do stand-up work. Right. And I, I don't, I mean, stand-up work, when does he get off? At 11? I get off at 10. I don't generally get to bed before 2 a.m., um, sometimes 1. And it, mainly it's because you have to be you have to be at your peak to perform, and you can't do that when you're and if he's, tired. And, he, and if he's traveling around as well, if he's on the road, he'll have to go to affiliate stations uh, to do that show, right? Which means that he'll have to get up at the um, out of the you know he'll have to get he'll up get at five thirty a.m. four a.m. Well, that, that seems seems like a stretch, but um, he'll still have to get up early to go do these shows. Yeah, man, Dennis Miller's show as as good as it may be, and I don't know, I don't have any idea. Um, stand up and uh, and radio are two totally different animals. That's going to take a toll. It's uh, yeah, he, he, a year. Good luck to you, buddy. Yeah, he was talking a good game about how he's really going to stick with it. He's 53 now, and he wants yeah. to, uh, talk, to talk about his politics. Something's got to go. Which is, of course, another reason why he's inevitably going to fail is because he's getting into it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Like many Hollywood celebrities that get into radio, they want to get in and try radio. Mm-hmm. It sounds neat. They've always liked radio. Radio's neat. And they want to get in, or in his case, he wants to get in and talk about his politics because he can't do it on stage. Well, Dennis... You're supposed to entertain people. If you getting on the air talking about your politics is your number one reason for doing the show, uh, that's not going to probably not going to translate into uh, into very good radio. Yeah, I I I don't know whether because you can't do a, a three hour stand up act every day. You can't do that. You, no, because you'd have to write it essentially, right. and uh, he's going to have to be just sort of funny off the hip. Um, and I'm sure he will be. He's a good comedian. So um, you don't think he's going to last the year? I just I just don't think so. I think that it'll be too difficult. I've done the uh, whole split sleep schedule thing. Mm-hmm. And it's no way to live a life. Can't be easy at 53. Mm, can't be easy any time, but okay. Yeah. Um, I've never been 53. I don't know. <laughs> Julia does it now, but she's 22. Yeah, and so. that's that's about the age that I was doing it, yeah. too. And it is just not fun. So that's uh, th- there you go. A little bit of analysis of the radio industry for you. Because this happens over and over again. Mm-hmm. The Hollywood people come in. For some reason, the big 
corporations, these syndicators in this business, think it's a good idea to bring in names. Yeah, and it, it seems to be the, uh, uh, the, the the thing that they're doing right now is uh, bringing in any big name they can. Now, Whoopi apparently still on the radio after... What, um, eight months? Yeah, some, I don't know what the number is. Um, Penn made it about they, a year. They've all crashed and burned. Penn Gillette made it about a year. Unless somebody J- can think of one that I can't think of. Jerry Springer made it uh, just over a year, yeah, I think. Yeah, over a year. Al Franken, about two years. Mm-hmm. He did and, pretty good. Well, that's two years? Yeah, it's, it's not good. That's I, a drop in the bucket compared to people with real good, radio careers. It's a pretty good for a Hollywood guy, though. I guess. <laughs> David Lee Roth, not, not by his own choosing, out yeah, of there. Yeah, he didn't make it a few months. Uh, you know, just these... The radio should be left to the radio guys, as far as I'm concerned. And, and the, for and the reason I the, say it is because show me a successful Hollywood person who I'd does, really has like done to radio. Know. I'd really like to know who that would be. Maybe one can make the um, argument that Adam Carolla, um, you know, managed to convert from radio to. Did he? Con- I think he converted from radio to TV, though. Right, he did. He he went the other That's direction. Different. It's it. He's he he bears some mentioning. He did. You know, he managed. Yeah, but no, to we're conversion. talking about Hollywood people that converted. From Hollywood to radio. Right. I don't think Adam Carolla was that guy. No, he wasn't. 1-800-259-9231. All right, to the phones, to the fun. Let's go to Mike in California on the Amplifier line. Hello, Mike. Hey there. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, I was calling regarding the, uh, the smoking ban in California you guys were talking about. I was thinking that the hotel room we told you it was against the law was accurate because there's some crazy laws out here. There really are. Uh, but there, I don't, I don't think she was, unfortunately. According to uh, Alyssa Smoking Bands on Wikipedia, in California, and this is the one I was thinking about, I just didn't have it clear in my mind, mm-hmm. um, there is a ban of smoking within 20 feet of any door or window, opened or closed, inside or outside, of any government building within the state. Uh, hmm. Now, the, ho- the hotel's not government, obviously, really? now, but this law, this law also includes... Um, Buildings owned or occupied by government entity, including public universities, mm-hmm. etc. Hmm. So you're saying it's a it's a hotel rule then? I'm guessing in that case it's a hotel rule. Now there are a couple cities in the United, I mean in California, that indeed have gone crazy and banned smoking in your own car and in your own home. And I think you guys reported on that. Yeah, we, we uh, report on them whenever we see them. Generally, yeah. So okay. Some crazy stuff, but I think in your case it was the hotel rule. Well, excellent, Mike. Uh, thank you for the clarification. Anything else on your mind? No, thanks for the show. Take it easy. 800-259-9231. Maybe they were just sort of preparing for the inevitable. You know, maybe <laughs> the hotel said, all right, well, they're probably going to just ban it all anyway. Let's ban it as far as we can. I don't know. Well, um, there's no – no, I, I disagree. The hotel has decided to go non-smoking entirely. Um, you can't... Except for the uh, open-air club. Correct. And uh, – and outside the front door. Yeah. Um, you can't ban something without giving... You can't make a rule without giving the rule teeth. And I see. And that was the way they decided to give the rule teeth. Um, even if they um, pardon the person every single time... That's how they're the, educating their clientele. At least they say to themselves, oh, okay, um, I could get a $250 fine if I keep the smoking in the room thing And you up. know what? I mean, if you're at a $200 a night hotel... <laughs> which normally, if I were actually going out to do anything else besides a talk radio convention, I wouldn't be staying at. No, generally we would not do that, and we um, it, it's a little rich for our blood. All the beds were very, very nice. Uh, generally, if you're staying at a $200 hotel, you're sort of of the upper crust or upper middle class at least, and uh, maybe they maybe they think that the uh, it's probably resulted in f- some people just swiping their credit card and not looking at the bill. You know, Some revenue, yeah. Hey, 250 bucks. I, I think that it's um. A little disingenuous to call it an SMK 
G uh, fee. Well, know. there's only so many uh, different. There's only so many letters they could have in the space, so they had to truncate it. Well, then then they need <laughs> then they need to make two lines or something. You mm-hmm. need to tell somebody that's a smoking fee. Well, it's their hotel. They can do what they, they want. They can do what they want, and uh, you know, just don't. Just don't let people get away with uh, doing whatever they want when it's your money. By the way, there may be – well, it wasn't our money. It was the amplifier's money, and I'd like to thank them for sending us uh, to the talk radio seminar because if it weren't for our amplifiers, uh, that never would have happened. In fact, some of our amplifiers might be a little bit concerned. They, hey, wait a minute. Why are you guys spending $200 a night when you could go across town and stay at the uh, Super 8 or the Motel 6 for uh, for you know 60 bucks a night. And I think we should address that coming up here. 800-259-9231. There's a reason for it. There is a reason. And hopefully you'll uh, you'll think it's a good one. 1-800-259-9231. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. We've got issues to talk about here tonight as well. Of course, uh, if you bring up one, we'll talk about yours. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want, toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet, 8.net, toll free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com, the place to go. All of the features there, completely free, though we do ask for your voluntary support, like over 340 of our listeners have decided to do by becoming an amplifier. You can do that as well uh, by going to amp.freetalklive.com. It takes you uh, maybe just a few minutes to read the page. That way you know what's going on. And then you sign up. It's very easy. Uh, Major credit cards, also PayPal, uh, the preferred ways to do it. And it's a simple concept. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. The idea is that uh, if you like the show, if you like the fact that we give all the features away on the website, then maybe you should just send us a couple bucks a month or three bucks a month. In fact, that's all we're asking for is $3 a month from you. You won't even notice it. I mean, it's less than the cost of a, a cup of coffee. And the point is, if a bunch of people send us that $3 a month, we're getting a significant amount of money coming in. In fact, yep. right now, our amplifiers have totaled up twenty over twenty, almost $2,500 per month, because once it does reset 2500 mark, uh, we've got a, an amp milestone to release, which is our upcoming webcam. So there are things that these amp dollars are allowing us to do, like do advertising in radio industry publications like Talkers Magazine, do Internet advertising to get more Internet listeners on board, and doing uh, real-life radio outreach as well to industry executives, decision makers, like we did over the weekend. We've been talking about all hour in Los Angeles for the Talk Radio Seminar, and then coming up this summer in New York City again for the Talkers New Media Seminar. These are the two talk radio conventions that go on in the United States every year. The ones that we know about, at least. And so, big thanks to everybody who's an amplifier, because if it weren't for you, we would not be at these conferences. And being at these conferences and doing all the other things that the Amp Dollars allow us to do really is making a huge difference in terms of getting this show on more radio stations, which means more new people will come across the message of freedom and liberty. And that's a good thing. So if that's something you want, head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Dot com and get involved today. You'll also get some access to perks like the amplifier-only phone lines and more. Uh, that's amp.freetalklive.com. But being at these conferences is very valuable uh, because we're actually getting FaceTime with the program directors that, you know, they're seeing our ads. They're getting our industry updates. They know we're here. They know what we're doing. But it makes a big difference to actually be there in person, to shake it their d- hand, to say hello, and chat with them for a little while. It does. Um, it absolutely makes a big difference. I mean, if if nothing else, it's good for a program director for, uh, you know, 
the guy from WLS in Chicago, um, for him to look at our faces and have to spend just a little bit of time talking to us and mm-hmm. ah, these are the guys from Free Talk Live. They have a show. You know, it's much much um, it's much better advertising than you know the uh, half page that we have in Talkers, which is great and everything. But it it, it doesn't. I don't know. It it's rounds, much better. It, it doesn't hit it as up. many program directors. There's only some that go to this. That's thing. correct. But the big um, ones, the big guys, are there. Look, if WLS added us uh, six nights a week, that would make a huge difference in yeah. uh, you know who would put us on the air and who wouldn't. Right. So these people are seeing us. And, and actually, it was interesting this year compared to last year because last year was our first time ever going to a talk radio convention. And so we were the new guys. We didn't know anything. We didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I wasn't as practiced at uh, you know approaching people. You got to be an extrovert at these things. Yes. If you just stand around, not much is going to happen. Um, so you got to approach these guys, give them your business card, chat them up a little bit. I like to call it the schmooze fest. Mm-hmm. And we're we're much better this year um, because people already knew us from last year. So we'd actually get approached this time. Yeah, people actually people said hi to us. Yeah. If you can imagine such a thing. Yeah. So that was uh, that was positive, and I got in touch with some of the program directors that I didn't get to talk to last year. So again, very valuable to go to mm-hmm. these things. But I, somebody might ask, a cyn- more cynical amplifier might say, well, wait a minute. Now, I understand this isn't your money. I mean, we're contributing the money to you guys. Why is it that you aren't spending it very wisely? Why is it you aren't going to Motel 6? Because I mentioned earlier, the hotel we were at was a $200 a night hotel. Yeah, it's and pretty, that's pretty nice. That's pretty expensive in my book. And uh, normally I would never go to a hotel like that. Well, normally you wouldn't go anywhere. Okay. Um, But (laughs) in the times that I've gone to hotels in my life, I wouldn't have chosen that. Uh, The reason why, so so a cynical amplifier might say, well, shouldn't you be going to Motel 6 and spending $60 a night instead of $200? Good question. Fair question. The reason why we don't is because the first time we went to a convention, we didn't stay in the hotel that the convention was going on in. Mm Mm-hmm. So last year at this time, we stayed in a hotel that was that's just a mile down the road, and, and it was still an expensive hotel. Yeah, they're all expensive. Because it's D.C. in the center of the city. Anyway, it was just a mile down the road, but nonetheless, it resulted in us having to get up earlier, um, arrive at the room later, which meant we were, uh, we were less uh, well-rested for mm-hmm. actually attending the convention. It was a hassle because we had to get from one hotel to, to the next, and it cost us money. In the, in the form of cab fares, to get to a $60 hotel, you'd have to go outside of, way outside of the area that we were at. Right. So that's going to cost extra money. Or that, renting a car, that would cost extra money that as would well. Be, that would be uh, probably true with this, uh, you know, L.A. situation, too. I mean, how many Motel 6s are in Marina Del any. Rey? Yeah, I didn't you see You know, um, just doesn't seem likely to me. Right. So we would be off-site. It would be difficult for us to, uh, to get to the convention. And also, there are certain times in the convention, like, uh, let's see, at Talkers last year, we had a meeting with somebody in our hotel room. We had mm-hmm. that gentleman come back and sit with us, and uh, we had our consultant come in, and he s- came to our hotel room. And uh, we, we did had a meeting there. at a hotel room um, in this hotel, you know, this time too. And we also met people going to the room up and the, walking up and down in the, the elevator, yeah. that sort of thing. And so, so it's, it's really important to be in the hotel that the really convention is. is happening. That's why I don't wait till the last minute to get registered for these things. I get registered as soon as possible. So we're already set uh, for this summer's Talkers Convention. Mm-hmm. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I hope that answers all the questions. Let's talk. Or actually, coming up, we're going to talk travel since we're sort of on the theme. As it turns out, as we've mentioned in the past, and the statistics are still bearing it out. 
international travelers are staying the hell away from America. Mm -hmm. And we need to talk about the consequences. We need to talk about what's happening, why it's happening. That's all on the way. But to the phones first, Eric in Austin, Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Eric. Hey, guys. How's it going this evening? What's on your mind? I was uh, talking to my mom this weekend, and uh, my dad for a long time knew that I had had, uh, abandoned the Republican Party and, and joined the Libertarian cause. My mom didn't really know. I mean, she knew my politics had changed slightly, but she didn't know mm-hmm. uh, to what. And uh, so this weekend, she found out that I was a libertarian, and she started grilling me because as uh, lifelong Bible thumpers, uh, they were uh, members of the Christian Coalition and all that, mm-hmm. very right-wing conservative. Okay. Um, and, and so she started grilling me on, you know, God's a Republican, God's a Republican. <laughs> and I, I'm like, Finally, I, I, I just for the longest time I just stood there and, and let her say what she wanted to say, and let her have it out. And finally, I, I, enough was enough. I said, "Mom, apparently you don't even read the Bible that you purport to to support and claim to have read, because if you actually read the Bible, God is very uh, anti-political. He hated the idea of government. Uh, as a matter of fact, he when uh, well, I don't know if that's true. God wanted to rule over everybody." <laughs> Uh, well, when the Israelites came to him and said, give us a king, he said no, repeatedly. He did, the last thing he wanted to do was give them a king. Very I interesting, uh, yeah. That's, it's a good point. He was against governments of man. How about that? Yeah, uh, it, government is a construct of man, and the very idea of it he was against. Hmm. Uh, he, he, uh, he had the priest class for his law, but... For dealings of men, uh, he figured that the free markets uh, could handle it themselves. He eventually came up with a class of judges uh, to sort of mediate, but that was it. That was all he wanted. He didn't so what did mom to say to that? What's that? What did your mom say to that? Uh, she started stumbling at that point. She didn't know, know quite where to go. Hmm. Um, so I, I think I made her, at, at the very least, think about her belief system. Is it really uh, – are, are people really that simple in that they say, oh, God's on the side of the Republicans, so therefore the logical conclusion is Satan's on the side of the Democrats? I mean, <laughs> are there really people that think that? The secular humanists. Uh, humanists. Yeah, I think wow. so. I, I, think, I think because of the way the public education system has been set up, that absolutely people fall into that trap. That's just amazing to me. Any other highlights from your conversation? Um. No, not not really after that. She just, uh, like I said, she started stuttering and, and didn't know quite where to go. And finally she she used the line, well, let me look into that and I'll get back to you. Oh, that's a fair answer. Hey, you know, it, it that's not just a line. That's how people, um, you know, slowly convert. Nobody's going to just, bam, convert right. um, maybe on an issue, but not on, um, you know, their whole political thought process. Absolutely. To her, God really is a Republican, and she has to unravel that. And she's going to, you know, I mean, you've made a salient point to her that uh, it's going to resonate with her for a long time. Well, I wish you the best of luck in your future conversations, uh, possibly addressing some of her favorite laws, perhaps laws controlling people's morality and that sort of thing. Those should be very interesting. You'll have to let us know what happens, Eric. Thank you for the call, sir. 800-259-9231. America. People don't want to come here. We'll talk about why on the way. And you could probably guess it as to why. In fact... I don't even want to travel from state to state. I can't imagine what it's like coming here from another country. More on the way. Hour 2 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The packet, 8.net. Toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Once again, that number, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site there are entirely free. Uh, so once again, do enjoy those there on us. That's freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. It's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. Well, we were talking about our little travel experience last hour. And we had a number of stories to tell, including our uh, experience with the TSA, which thankfully wasn't as horrible as it as it has been for some people. But it's really a crapshoot. I mean, really, it's just rolling the dice on how angry of a bureaucrat you happen to encounter mm-hmm. on that particular day. But also, we're internal. We're domestic, as they say. We're moving from New Hampshire, or we moved from New Hampshire to Los Angeles during the trip, and then back from L.A. to actually stopped in Detroit for five hours, and then back to New Hampshire. There are a number of people that come here for business reasons and pleasure reasons from other countries, and they have to go through something entirely different. In fact, what they have to go through has been so bad, and the word has gotten around so fast that it is so bad, that the international tourism to this country, to America, has dropped significantly in the last six years. According to Reuters, Grand Canyon, Arizona, which we flew over, very nice from uh, from up high. Yeah, it was, it was really amazing. I think we took got the best view of the Grand Canyon I've ever seen, and yeah. I've been there a couple times. Mary Ellen Fleming Hoffman manages a gift store on the plunging rim of the Grand Canyon, where visitors come to marvel at one of the world's greatest attractions. Business is good, local travel is buoyant, although one thing is different. Foreign visitors to the canyon, like other U.S. tourist attractions, are no longer coming in the numbers like they once did, she says. Overall, the number of foreign visitors are down, she said, and we'd like to see more of them. Well, sorry, uh, Mary Ellen. Unfortunately, the U.S. government is busy searching everyone that comes here and harassing people for just trying to come here and enjoy themselves. And so I don't predict that you're going to be getting an uptick in international visitors anytime soon, at least until we get back to more freedom. In right. Why would they want to come over here and get frisked and all that stuff? It's much harder to get um, get through the TSA and and customs and all that other stuff um, than it is just to fly domestically. We as Americans don't have any idea how difficult it is for foreigners to come here, and so why the heck do they want to? Well, in fact, it's getting worse for everybody. I mean, yes, we still don't don't know what it's like for foreigners, but they're they're even going to make it worse for Americans who want to go to Canada and Mexico, places where they didn't have to have passports before as of next year. Uh, you're going to have to have a passport to drive back from Canada or Mexico. As of right now, you have to have a passport to fly back from Canada or Mexico. So it's already being instituted. Anyway, uh, Ms. Fleming Hoffman owns Hopi House. Hopi? Hopi House. Which Hopi sells uh, 
uh, which sells a selection of American Indian jewelry and other handicrafts. The store is among travel-related businesses across the United States, feeling a decline in the number of overseas visitors, which have yet to recover to levels before the September 11, 2001 attacks. According to the figures from the Travel Industry Association of America, the number of travelers to the United States, not including Canadians and Mexicans, has dropped by 17% since 2001. That's that's huge. It is huge. That's one almost one out of every five people that would have come here that were coming here have stopped. According to the figures, or despite a record year for world tourism last year and a weak dollar against both the British pound and the euro, the number of visitors from Western Europe dipped by nearly three percent over the previous year. It keeps going down. Yeah, the pinch. Has of course, been, it does. Mm-hmm. And more foreigners find out. The pinch has been felt by businesses from California to the sunshine state of Florida, which draws tourists with its theme parks and beaches. According to industry, in case no one knew that, according to industry lobbyists and analysts, the chief reason behind the decline is convoluted is a convoluted visa process to enter the country and poor perceptions of treatment by pistol-toting and often stern-faced immigration officials on arrival. Wait, mm. is it the poor perceptions of treatment, or is it just the poor treatment? <laughs> My God, they're they're having a perception of poor treatment. Look. If you're spending your money and you're getting treated poorly, you're not going to come back. Yep. This isn't prison, folks. These these uh, foreign tourists do not have to come here. They don't owe us any anything. Or They're wait. not obligated to give us their money. Well, we have to make them feel welcome. You, you might have stumbled on something there, Mark. Maybe it is a prison. I mean, it's not a prison like you're used to seeing. It doesn't have barbed... Well... They're going to have barbed wire down on the southern border soon. In fact, the indicators of prison-likeness of this country, of how like a prison this country is, are on the increase. In fact, when we were leaving the New Hampshire, uh, the Manchester airport, mm-hmm. you spot, um, uh, I spotted a guy with a mirror... Going he, underneath uh, on some, a handle, right? There was he, there was some vehicle. It was white. I think it was. Uh, I think it was a Christian bus because on the plane that we were flying back on, there was a bunch of like camp Christian people or something. Like okay, that. I think their their bus had parked out front uh, to pick up the group of people, and there was some security bureaucrat walking around the bus with a mirror on a long stick. Mm-hmm. And you made the you made a comment. I made that. the comment is look, it's just like prison because that's what they would do. They do at prisons is they um you know when a when a vehicle pulls in, any vehicle that goes onto the um onto the prison compound has to go into the what they call a sally port area mm-hmm. where it is inspected all over to make sure that there's um you know on the way in and on the way out to make sure that there's no way for convicts to escape or I suppose uh, that now they're looking for anything, but um, you know they want they don't want to bring in black uh, market stuff either for you know the, the the prisoners. So I mean that's how they're treating Americans. They're searching them for bombs. They're considering them suspects. They're treating international travelers even worse. So I can totally understand why people would not want to come here. There are plenty of other beautiful places around the world to go visit. I mean yeah, the Grand Canyon's beautiful and there's plenty of nice places here, but why bother going through the hassle? Uh, in fact, in a survey conducted by the travel industry uh, or a travel industry lobby group, the Discover America Partnership, late last year, the United States scored more than twice as badly as the next region on the score sheet in terms of travel friendliness. Twice as bad as the most unfriend as the the next most unfriendly area to travel to. What do you think was the next most unfriendly area in the world to travel to? Um. North Vietnam. The Middle East. (laughs) The United States is now twice as bad, according to the Discover America Partnership, 
is now twice as bad where, as, as the Middle East. As a place where you can't have alcohol, porn, um, you know, all kinds of stuff. You get less hassle when you want to go travel to Iran than the United States. Wow. Two-thirds of respondents worried they could be held back at airports because of a mistake in form filing or a misstatement to immigration officials. And you know what? They should be concerned because we've seen those stories. Those stories have happened. These are bureaucrats. They screw things up all the time. Botching it up is job number one for a bureaucrat. And so, yeah, you don't <laughs> file your God's form. God's honest truth. If they lose your form, then you fly over here, they're going to hold you at the airport and send you back. Right. And that's just it. And and uh, anybody who's dealt with the government uh, on any level understands the government loses forms. Mm-hmm. They just do. Half of the respondents said officials were rude. Imagine that. And that they feared them more than the threat of terrorism or crime. That bears repeating. Half of respondents to this study, again, talking to international travelers to America, said that officials were rude and that they feared them more than the threat of terrorism or crime. And again, the statistics bear that one out, too. Look at the statistics. Even worldwide for terrorism, the incidence of terrorism worldwide, of course, incidence of terrorism in the United States next to zero, but the incidence of terrorism worldwide when compared to uh, the, the governments and the danger from governments, the possibility of being arrested, the possibility of having your time uh, wasted. That's at the very least what's going to happen. You're going to have your time wasted. At the very worst, you could be arrested or thrown into a secret prison somewhere. So who wants to take that risk? The fact is you've got a much higher risk dealing with the government. There's a much higher chance that the government is going to harm you than any sort of random terrorist organization. And so that's what people are concerned with. For many foreign tourists and business travelers, the anxiety surrounding the entry process makes rival destinations in Europe, Asia, and Africa more attractive to visit than the United States. Those travel dollars are going to get spent somewhere. It's just not going to be here. 1-800-259-9231. More analysis on the way of the international travel problem. Serious, I would say it's almost a crisis here in uh, in America. Well, you're not going to hear about it on the regular news simply because they don't want to address these issues. More they don't want to the show that they're TSA agents. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net, toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com, place to go, all the features free, including archives. That's right, an entire year's worth of the show waiting for you, front page of the website. You just click and download. There's no logging in, no membership fees. You don't have to watch a bunch of advertisements. It's free at freetalklive.com. Now you can save time and money on common legal matters created by top attorneys. LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or a living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. LegalZoom.com. We're talking about a significant problem, a serious issue that America is facing right now. And that is that according to uh, statistics, according to the travel industry, the percentage of people that are no longer traveling to this country has uh, has dropped by 17%. Yeah. Uh, international travelers. 17% fewer international tourists. That's correct. Um, since 9-11. That's significant. Mm-hmm. That's going to do some serious damage to people whose livelihoods right. depend that, that's on put tourism. A cer- that's put a certain amount of uh, businesses that rely on foreign tourism 
out of business. Now, I don't know. Well, maybe. It's possible that that's happened. Uh, we haven't uh, seen the stories about no, that. No, absolutely. They would be reported on. But when you're talking about a 17% drop... Somebody's hurting right yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. If they haven't gone out of business, they're hurting. They're not making the money they once did. Uh, they may not be able to make it up in other areas simply because their business relied on those people, mm-hmm. and they're just not coming here. Instead, they're going elsewhere. They're going to Europe. They're going to Asia. They're going to Africa. They're going anywhere else but America, and that's because of... The government security system that we have here. And probably, you know, there's probably also a factor of just America, the United States government sucks, so I'm not going there just because of the things they do around the world, you know, with their 700 plus military bases. And actually, I saw a study recently, 144 countries is what we're in now, Mark. Not We always say that cite the 130 number. Right, 144. God. Uh, so all of these different things the government is doing, harassing people at airports, etc., it's making people say, hmm, well, let's see, well, honey, we're going to take a vacation here this year, and, uh, you, you know, we really liked going to Disney World 20 years ago, but now things are different over there in the United States. Ah, let's go see something in Africa. Let's go look at some lions or something like that. Uh, we'll go anywhere else but the United States. Let's go relax in the Bahamas. Let's go down to uh, Australia. They're not coming here. And the travel industry has uh, done some studies. They've uh, talked to talked to people who have come here and asked them why they wouldn't come back. Two thirds say they are con- they were concerned they might be held back at airports because of a bureaucratic bungle or a misstatement uh, to immigration officials. Oops, you say the wrong thing to the bureaucrat. <laughs> like your in- your English isn't that good. Mm-hmm. For, like it it happens, right? I'm uh, I was speaking Spanish to a, a guy at a place that I worked, and I I, I intended to ask him if he uh, wanted some uh, cookies, but instead I asked him if he would like some little chickens. <laughs> <laughs> and he was really confused by my question. Is the, yeah, uh, the difference between galletas and gallinas. Ah, um, but you know, it's, it's kind of a close word, and sure. Don't you think you could get in trouble if you said one wrong word for another? Half of them, the respondents, said officials were rude and they feared them more than the threat of terrorism or crime. For many foreign tourists and business travelers, the anxiety is sending them to other countries. British visitor Mitchell, Mitchell Lenson told Reuters as he stood at the windswept, promo, uh, windswept promontory overlooking the Grand Canyon, quote, there's other places you can go where you don't get treated badly at immigration and ports of entry. The assumption in the United States is, you must be a criminal, so we'll treat you that way, he added. That's how one of the international visitors to the United States feels. He feels like he is presumed guilty. Who wants to feel that way when they're coming on a vacation? I can't imagine anyone does. Who wants to put their children Why would you spend money for that? I mean, it's one thing to go as an adult. You know, adults could possibly understand some level of security. They could say to themselves, well, they're just trying to be secure. But kids? Who wants to put their kids through the rigmarole of the TSA and customs? Travel- I'm, sh- I'm sure that that woman who had the uh, newborn in line was uh, w- was sorry that she ever saw a TSA She was probably thinking they- about driving. Yeah. yeah. Travel industry sources say the frosty welcomes not just for driving tourists, but also business travelers from overseas, foreign students and even foreigners seeking medical care in U.S. clinics and hospitals. Jeff Freeman, the executive director of the Washington-based Discover America Partnership, says the decline is costing the increasingly service-led United States economy dearly. He says it harms our economic security. As the number of foreign visitors falls, we lose billions of dollars in spending, billions of dollars in tax revenues, and hundreds of thousands of jobs. And there's going to be a ripple effect. Of course. Now, Mark, you and I, we do radio. Our 
career doesn't really directly depend on international visitors coming to America. But the fact is, as these other businesses continue to suffer, those who do directly depend, the travel and tourism industry, uh, the hospitality industry as well, as uh, those who do depend on international visitors begin to suffer, they begin to lose revenues, they're either going to go out of business or have to raise prices for the existing clients that they have coming through the door, and or cut jobs. That's another way they, they could deal with this. There are only certain economic uh, things that will happen as a result of this. And if people are losing their jobs, um, businesses are suffering, those businesses, those hotels, they may not be able to, to, to afford to purchase things from their vendors like they used to, from the people providing them with services. So again, it's going to sort of ripple out. And as more people continue to stay home or travel elsewhere, the effect will become even more pronounced. But guess what? Someone's got a solution. Who do you think has it? Oh, the government? The government. They're going to save the day. Lawmakers on Capitol Hill are expected to present a bill this year drawing on the Discover America Partnership's Blueprint to Discover America report, which was crafted with input from Tom Ridge, the very first Homeland Security chief. Well, if Tom Ridge, whoever the hell that was, was behind this, I mean, how could this fail? Well, it's government. Well, they, so they, never believe the well. government fails on a regular basis. It's it's uh, no surprise when the government fails to do what it uh, set out to do. And you know the other the other thing is when the government quote unquote succeeds, it's a qualified success. Generally, if if they succeed in doing whatever it is that they hope to do, pay They've the also succeed pay the in section spending of, billions. Right. They usually um, pay twice as much to eight times as much as they should have paid yeah. in the first place. And I'm sorry, um, you know, somehow the government gets a buy in this arena. Well, you know, sometimes the government's a success because it uh, does get the job done, albeit at a very expensive price. Look, if my wife sent me out to go um, buy a car for $20,000 and I came back with a car that was worth $20,000, but I would paid $60,000 for it, she would consider me a failure. Yeah. I'm sorry. When the government spends, yeah, I'm sure she would. When the government spends no two more or sex. three times, I don't know what. Well, the, the thing is, well, it's the American people that are getting effed, not yeah. the, you know. I, I yes, don't know. We it's sure so are. ridiculous. Uh, well, here there are proposals. Here's how they plan to fix through lawmaking the uh, immigration problem, not immigration problem, the travel problem. Among proposals are contracting more staff at U.S. consulates overseas. So let's hire some more bureaucrats overseas. Uh, for to bring down wait times for travel visas to 30 days from the current levels of up to three months in some countries, and sending in troubleshooting rapid response teams to tackle backlogs. Okay, yeah, well, reducing the time on the visas might be a very, very small step in the right direction, but still it's bureaucratic, still it's a hassle, and still it doesn't do anything to address the real threat, and that's the TSA and the Customs Department. There's more proposals, though, on the way. 800-259-9231. And then Free Talk Live will make our proposal as to how we could possibly bring more tourism back to the United States, bring back more people to spend money here. It's possible, and it's actually pretty simple. Coming up, Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line for you. Ian here with you. And Mark. And so once again, 1-800-259-9231. Join us online, freetalklive.com. The wiki's there, over a 1,000 pages created by listeners like you. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive there. It's free, like everything else is on our website. That's wiki. FreeTalkLive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? Well, SACL CAI does it. Collections, that is. Early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. Uh, SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at FreeTalkLive.com or call 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. Talking about a serious problem that America is facing right now. It's an immigration... Ah, I keep screwing that up. Not immigration. No, it's a, it's a foreign travel visitor. issue. Right. Foreign visitation. People who are coming here to spend a vacation. In fact, it's even affecting business travel to an extent as well. But especially those who are coming here to relax, to enjoy a little bit of leisure time, to see the sights, as there are certainly many to see. Uh, the Grand Canyon was given as one example. Obviously, we could go through a long list of wonderful, exciting, neat places and th- places to go and things to do in America. But unfortunately, the draw just isn't worth it. Those uh, those things to go and do and see just aren't interesting enough to get people to go through the hassle of the TSA and the Customs Department and all of their related bureauc- uh, bureaucracies and laws. They just aren't doing it. There's been a drop by se- of 17%. 17% less people traveling here internationally. And you know what? That doesn't include Canada and Mexico. And if I recall correctly, we had a story about Canadian travel. And that, that has dropped, I think it was 21% in the last five years. You know, so it's all going down. I can't tell you um, how many Americans have stopped traveling domestically um, based on this, but I imagine there's a few. And Our I, listeners have called and said they don't fly. There, there's some, some people. Yeah, there's some people that have called in and, and, and said they didn't fly. So there has to be a percentage that's been lost. People just don't want to be felt up. They don't want to have their possessions um, you know, rummaged through. They, they just rude. want to go through the trouble. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, different... Who wants to be yelled at? ...their reasons. Um, and so, foreign travelers, it's going to be worse. Not only do you have the TSA, but you've got customs um, on the border, too. Yep. And, you know, things happen at the border. I can attest to it. I went to jail going to Canada. Whoa. And, you know, it just, it happens. So, the government has some uh, proposed solutions to the problem, which, of course, if you know anything about government, you know inevitably will fail or cost a lot of money. Uh, so they've already suggested hiring more bureaucrats at consulates overseas to bring down wait times, allegedly, uh, for travel visas. That's what they're saying. They're saying that hiring more bureaucrats will bring down the wait times. I don't know if there's any actual evidence that that will be the case. Uh, it seems to me you hire more bureaucrats, you're just going to have more donut consumption. It also proposes extending the visa waiver rights currently held by 27 countries worldwide to other nations to allow more visitors to bypass the strained visa system. Back in the United States, proposals include hiring 250 more Customs and Border Protection agents to work in busy airport arrival halls and in consulting theme park operator Disney for tips online uh, for tips online management. So, there again another proposal: hire more bureaucrats. That's their that's their proposal. Right. Let's hire more bureaucrats. What are they going to do with the bureaucrats? You know, say nice things to the foreigners in their in their language. Allegedly, more bureaucrats will allegedly process the applications quicker and will allegedly process the people quicker. But it doesn't do anything to address the fears of the people who are who want to come here. 
They're afraid of the bureaucrats. Hiring more of them isn't going to make the problem go away. Tourist authorities say other countries use more state funds to lure foreign visitors, and they would like to see higher government spending to woo foreign visitors back to the United States. Vanessa Welter, communications director for state tourism agency Visit Florida, says, quote, The welcome from the U.S. government just hasn't been there. We want to ensure our borders are safe, but we also want to ensure that people know we want them to come here with the exchange rate. We're on sale right now. Says the tourist bureaucrat from Florida. And of course, she, she just wants uh, she wants more funds from the federal government is what she wants. Uh, she wants a handout so she can buy more advertising or whatever or do whatever it is that the bureaucrats do with the handout. So, so here, here's a summary of the government proposals to fix the uh, international tourism problem: you know, hire it, more bureaucrats and spend more money on uh, spend more tax dollars on advertising America. You know, I've got to say that I think that uh, advertising dollars are probably um, some of the best thing they can do with tax tax money um generally advertising rates are um you know they're they're negotiable and the government generally does generally pays the highest rate that that's out there but it's still not double what everybody else pays so the government probably gets its best money's worth when it buys advertising but still these are all increases in the size of government sure they are i'm all just saying of, of all the things that they can do advertising's the least worrisome to so, me so but really i mean if you even if you look at this and you say okay well they're going to let's say they do all this Let's say they hire the new bureaucrats and they start spending more money on international advertising. And it gets the number of international visitors to, instead of uh, what it's doing right now, is it's dropping every single year. Last year, it dropped 3%. So maybe it'll, it'll even that out and mm-hmm. stop it from dropping. Maybe it'll raise it 1% or per, half a percent. Those extra people coming in, are they really going to offset the, uh, the increase in government as far as how much more money that they're going to need to take from U.S. taxpayers in order to make up the difference? Either way, it doesn't matter to me. It's doesn't an increase of government, and it needs to be opposed. Now, what we need to do instead of just sitting here and griping about this is to come up with a solution. So, Mark, how do we get more people to visit America from international, uh, internationally, from other countries. Well, What's we make the solution. We make the process easier for them, and slowly they'll come back. Okay. Um, you know, we we get rid of some of the the hurdles that they have to jump, including uh, pieces of paper that they have to get in advance. Um, you, that you get rid of uh, the TSA and the customs, or at least tone down. Oh, their... we need security. Mm, I understand that we need Tourists. security. I know. Scary. I'm I scared. You know, the, the issue there is really foreign policy. It's not, um, you know, terrorism. We can't stop. As a matter of fact, the uh, the TSA stops about 25% of the bombs, guns, mm-hmm. and knives that, that their own auditors try to slip through. You know, all that I means they don't stop 75% of the damn bombs. Are you telling me that if you're trying to get a bomb into the United States um, via or onto an airplane, that you're not willing to put two on, and then your chances... Statistically, Double. one of them is going to get on. Yeah. So, please, the TSA, it, it's not working, folks. It's not working. It's a bad idea. It's all symbolism. It's all for show. It's uh, what, I don't know who t- who titled it this, but I think it's brilliant. Security theater is what they call it. Yeah, that's what it is. I think it's great. Um, but So, yes, I agree with you. Reducing the restrictions, reducing the regulations. To be, um, to be very specific, what I'd like to see happen is the complete abolishment of the TSA, the abolition of the Customs Department, and putting security in the hands of airlines. So, therefore, Qantas or whatever the other international airlines are that are servicing uh, the United States, would be able to set their own security protocol. 
And so if they wanted to really search people very thoroughly, they could do that. If they wanted to let people on with guns, they could do that, too. It would be mm-hmm. their choice as a business, and it would be your choice as a consumer as to whether or not you would want to utilize their services. So let's let the market decide on this whole security thing. That would bring people back here. And, of course, bringing back the troops from uh, from all around the world might go a long way to tell the rest of the world to symbolize, and symbolism so important, to symbolize to the rest of the world that, hey, we're done with this imperialism. We're done with this nation building. We're going back to being an, uh, the land of the free. Thanks very much. Come here and enjoy the stay. That's all it would take. Then it would just be a matter of a few years before people started pouring through uh, the borders to come here on vacation to enjoy themselves. Because costs would lower. You eliminate the TSA, eliminate the customs department, airline tickets are going to go down. Eliminate all the uh, government regulations in regards to air travel and the and the airline industry. Uh, I think I read that half of the price of the gas that the air, airlines pay is taxes. Half of it. I wouldn't doubt that at all. And fuel cost is a huge chunk of your airline ticket. You know, I still have a, I have a bit of a problem, a bit of a concern when it comes to just doing just what you said. We have an adventurous foreign policy, um, and you know if we don't completely back off all of it. So I said, bring home, bring home the troops. Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't. Bring them home, bring them all home, and then yeah, we uh, would have to bring home all the troops to uh, shut down the military bases. But you know, getting rid of the TSA, the fact is they just don't work. Yep, they don't work. Um, if, if they're only catching 25% of the bombs, then it's all you have to do is put two bombs in, and you've got your bomb on board a plane. Do you disagree? 1-800-259-9231. If so, or if you just want to bring up whatever's on your mind, that's why we call the show Free Talk Live. 800-259-9231. On the way, New Mexico. The state, the government there, has banned cockfighting. We'll talk about it. Free Talk Live. Your show, you bring up what you want, toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet, 8.net, toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Updates are there. You get signed up. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce. Get on it. Get on the list, that is, at updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Do you enjoy building things? Woodcraftplans.com has hundreds of blueprints for things like lawn chairs, rocking horses, yard shadows, fine furniture, and more. Step-by-step instructions and full-size patterns guide all skill levels. Woodcraftplans.com supports FDL. Please support Woodcraftplans.com. That's Woodcraftplans.com. So, New Mexico. There's a new law. Oh, good. uh, According to Reuters, they've outlawed cockfighting on Monday. In a victory for animal welfare groups, leaving Louisiana as the last state in America where the controversial practice is legal. That's amazing to me. Governor Bill Richardson said after signing the bill, quote, I'm proud that New Mexico will now move beyond cockfighting and join the 48 states that have already banned this outdated practice. Cockfighting involves roosters, or cocks, with razors tied to their claws battling each other, often to the death, with spectators placing bets on the outcome of each contest. Now... It certainly seems like something I wouldn't spend any time doing. It seems a little despicable. It seems a little nasty. But should it be banned? If you agree with this ban, I'd like to hear from you at 800-259-9231. Now, supporters argued that cockfighting is a Hispanic tradition and that any ban would simply push it underground. Opponents said it was a clear-cut case of animal cruelty and that it encouraged illegal gambling. You know, this is an interesting issue, isn't it? Because we've certainly talked before about the uh, the idea of, uh, for instance, getting the go- 
preparing the government very, very far down to the yeah. point where if there's a guy in his backyard and he's beating his animals, um, would he be able to be arrested? And I've said, well, he shouldn't be. I've said he should be ostracized. He should be uh, made into a, a social pariah on a voluntary basis, if indeed people have problems with what he's doing. I'd have a problem if my neighborhood was beating his dog in the backyard. Cockfights? I'd probably ostracize somebody on, on that basis as well. I would not put someone in jail for it. And I agree with, uh, with the cockfighting supporters in this case in that it's not going to stop. It's just going to go underground, get more dangerous, get more deadly, more risky for the participants. It'll be a black market activity um, supported by gang members as opposed to something that some Hispanics are just doing to have a little bit of fun. Um, you know... I I can see where they're coming from, and the I, banners you mean, or the the, or the banners? The... I can see where I can see where everybody's coming from. Um, I I don't like the idea of, for instance, dogs fighting. Um, cocks fighting uh, doesn't bother me quite so much. Why? Uh, why what? They're birds as opposed to mammals. I don't Makes know. Makes them less of a animal, I guess. Birds uh, can feel chicken, too, right, Mark? Chickens are dumb, mm, but so they deserve to die. Um, well, they, the ones that you eat do, do right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just asking questions. Uh, okay, just so we, <laughs> and I'm just giving you answers, buddy. Um, you know, if if people don't like the way animals are killed, that's gonna be it's become gonna be a problem uh, because if you don't, if I don't like the way this, you know, a rooster's killed in one of these fights, then um, somebody else is gonna come along and say, well, I don't like the way the Kentucky Fried Chicken slaughters its chickens, Ooh, and then yeah. and then we've got a whole new bag of worms uh, that we have to deal with there and that's that's a real problem now i personally i would definitely go see a bullfight i'm interested in seeing one of those before i die really why why am i interested in seeing one um i don't know because there's been so there's been so much um art and history uh, around them i'm, I'm i see interested. where you're coming from i consider it horrible okay yeah i um, would not go i would see i would watch a cockfight i would be very upset if i saw a dogfight at this time, we have to speak out because of our children, said Alan Sanchez, spokesperson for the Conference of Catholic Bishops. The church clearly defines that cruelty to animals is wrong. The ban had the support of the influential New Mexico Conference of Catholic Bishops, which represents 600,000 New Mexicans. Opponents of the ban, which goes into effect on July 1st, call it a blow to Hispanic culture. Now, again, if the church says that cruelty to animals is wrong, then what defines cruelty to animals? Is it the law? Does the law define what is cruel and what is not? Is it is it still legal for me to uh, slice a chicken's throat in my backyard and bleed it out and cut it up and put it on uh, the grill? Is that legal? It it is legal, but that would be a problem, you know. Apparently, um, it would. That could be considered cruel. There's you so know. So where do you draw the line? I'm sure that there's a religion out there. There's got to be where uh, you have to properly bleed your chickens before you eat them, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know that that might include leaving the chickens somewhat alive for the operation of the bleeding. You never know how these things go. Now, also, is it cruelty to animals to put them in? How do they get them to fight? Do cocks just want to attack one another? I think so. Okay, they just hate each other. You you wouldn't have too much trouble getting male dogs to uh to fight. I mean, just about every time we had a, two males in the house, they would want to fight. If well, and, because. I mean, all the the humans are doing in this case is they're tying uh, razor blades onto their feet. And, or hooks or whatever it is they're using, and the cocks are doing the fighting. It's not like the humans are attacking the chickens or no. the roosters. They're, uh, it's the cocks that are fighting with one another. 
So is that cruelty to animals, or is it allowing animals to be cruel to one another? Well, Which, of course, is it possible for an animal to be cruel to another animal? No, it's the animal's nature to do that sort of thing. It's not cruelty. I understand I think, what you're saying, but it, uh, it, it, it's somewhat cruel. I, I would say it's somewhat cruel. I, th- I have a problem with it. But I just don't know if it's. I don't know if you can accurately define it as cruelty to animals. You're not really doing anything to the uh, the animal besides placing it in a ring with uh, with a razor blade on its foot. If it wanted to, it could just not fight. But they want to fight. So should we lock up the winning cock in a jail cell because uh, you know, he's been cruel to the other cock? Is it possible for animals to be cruel to one another? One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. What about uh, if you didn't tie the razors to the rooster's legs? What do you mean? Well, just letting them fight. Yeah, I wonder about that. Because that's what happens with dogs. I mean, dogs don't have razors put on their collars; they just let sure. dogs fight. It, you know, well, what if uh, I mean, for instance, there are farms with uh, multiple cocks on on the farm. Um, what if they there's just a fight that breaks out, and a chick and a, and a rooster dies, or heaven forbid, a chicken dies in the uh, the fracas, then. Is someone going to monitor that, or if a neighbor's nearby and uh, a specifically nosy neighbor happens to notice this going on, can you get in trouble for allowing cocks to fight on your property? I mean, at what point does it become cruelty to animals? I don't know. These are tough questions. Anyway, David Lopez, a farmer, says, We have a right to have game birds. It's part of our culture. The law is just going to push cockfighting underground like it did for dogfighting. Oh, so he knows already that dogfighting's underground. I wonder how often dog fights go on. You know, it was suggested to me at one time that there are actually people that will go around and round up stray dogs. The underground people, the black marketeers in dog fighting, you mm-hmm. don't think to you think to yourself, there's a black market in dog who wants to watch dog fighting? There must be somebody out there because it's going on, as I understand it. I'm sure there it are is. people who will pick up stray dogs and take them to wherever their arena is and put them in a uh, a fight to the death. Do they do they do that like a squash match? Um, in wrestling, there's uh, such things as squash matches. Essentially, they take some no namer guy and put him in with a, <laughs> you know a name. The heel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, a heel is the bad the heel's guy. The heel is the no name. No, oh, the heel okay. is the bad guy. There's a name for the no namer. There's like a term for that. I, I don't know what it is, okay. but uh, you know, a squash. I believe it's called a squash match when they gotcha. uh, when they put the the guy in there and you know he just loses. Generic outright. dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the bill prohibits cockfighting in the 20 New Mexico counties where it wasn't already illegal. State Senator Phil Griego, a Democrat who opposed the ban, called it a slippery slope. He said, what's next, a ban on rodeos, then hunting and fishing? Jesus never said cockfighting was a sin, he said during a hearing on the legislation. And I want to know from you as to whether or not you think this activity should be banned. I don't think it should. I, now, I find it despicable. I don't think it's a good thing at all to pit two animals together in a in a death match. They aren't consenting adults. They don't understand. I think it's okay if two adults want to sign a release form or whatever and go and duke it out in a boxing ring. I think that's fine. Right. Because they've made the conscious choice to go and do that sort of thing. Do uh, cocks have a consciousness? Uh, I don't. I don't know. That's a question that science might be able to answer someday. Uh, maybe they are consciously choosing to fight to the death. I'm not sure about that. But nonetheless, I think it's kind of despicable for people to tie razor blades to their uh, claws and put them in a ring and egg them on and, uh, and force them into this position. And do I think it should be illegal? Absolutely not. I think that these individuals who are um, involved in this should be ostracized by their community. Now, if they're in a community where people think this is A-OK, then they'll be all right, won't they? 
If they live in a neighborhood which is surrounded by other neighborhoods where everybody finds cockfighting to be an appropriate pastime, then no one will be ostracized in that case. And what's wrong with that? They're living with people who have the same value system as they do. So uh, if you disagree with me and you think ostracism is not the answer, that hard jail time is the answer for this, I want to hear from you. 800-259-9231. And do you really believe that outlawing cockfighting is going to do anything at all to protect cocks? And what do you do with Americans that go to foreign countries to watch bullfights? Also, if you've counted the number of times we've said cock during this segment, call in as well. 800-259-9231. Of course, the entire time referring to uh, roosters. Mm -hmm. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. Packet 8.net toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. As we launch into hour number three, you as always can bring up anything. And don't forget to join us online at freetalklive.com where all the features are completely free. That once again is freetalklive.com. Let's start things out here uh, actually by going to the phones. Uh, let's talk to Joe in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Actually, I think his name's Joe Schmo. Do we have Joe Schmo or do we have Dave? I'm not sure which caller said uh, they no, would we call don't back. Have Joe Schmo. Let's go to the caller that's on the line then. Let's go to Dave in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Well, this is Dave in New Hampshire. Hey, Dave. What's on your mind? I hope you're not expecting Joe Schmo because that's not my name. Nope, nope. Uh, hello, Dave. Uh, I heard you went to court today. I did. I'm sorry I, I couldn't make it this time. What happened? That's okay. I had an appearance in federal court uh, on a uh, uh, show cause, what they call a show cause hearing. They wanted me to explain why I have refused to pay a federal fine. Now let's jump back in time before we go to what happened today. And why is it that you've refused to pay a federal fine? How did you get the fine in the first place? Let's let's try to do a quick recap here. In September, I went into an IRS office and handed uh, flyers to workers there, uh, requesting that they quit their jobs. How dare you! <laughs> Correct. Or suggesting that. I had some other suggestions for them, too. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, I was later uh, cited uh, by Homeland Security agents that came looking for me, wanted to give me a $125 ticket mm -hmm. uh, for what the crime of what they call distribution of handbills. As though the, uh, these people really even have the uh, the ability to give a uh, a ticket. Who the, who the heck is Homeland Security? Exactly. So anyway, um, they hauled me into court back in November and found me guilty and everything, but I didn't pay the fine that they owed that they ordered me to pay. Okay. Um, and and so they uh, they ordered me to come back to court uh, to explain why I haven't paid the fine. And I was very happy to do that. Um, I explained that um, I didn't pay the fine because constitutional amendments one and ten would seem to indicate that I shouldn't have to pay that fine. Um, because, the, you know, especially Amendment 10, which says the power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor denied by it to the states or reserved to the states, respectively, or to the people. So how does so that, that apply to your case? I beg your pardon? How does number 10 apply to your case? Because the federal government doesn't have any powers unless they're delegated in the Constitution. So if the Constitution doesn't give the federal government some sort of power to levy this fine over mm -hmm. me, then it has no power to levy the fine constitutionally. Got it. Now, you got it, but the judge doesn't like to talk about that. Was it right. the same uh, judge? Yeah, Judge Muirhead. Okay. 
and anyway, he, um, you know, I kept bringing that up, and then finally he asked me, well, so he tried to throw it, he threw it back on me, you know, and said, well, explain to me why the Constitution gives you the right to do this, you know, or, or, or <laughs> you make it, he's like, why don't you make a constitutional argument for me because you keep talking about the Constitution. What does it say in the Constitution that it's so, you know, gives you that right? And I'm like, Amendment 10, you know, and I quoted Amendment 10 to him again, um, and, um, uh, you know, because he kept trying to cite laws and regulations, and I'm like, I don't want you, I'm not interested in that. If you want me to pay the fine, you need to give me a constitutional authorization. I can't see another way out. Right, because and, the Constitution doesn't give you rights. The Constitution just simply outlines the rights that you already have and the rights that the government is supposed to respect in its role of allegedly protecting uh, life, liberty, and property. Well, right, and in a sense, the, the, the Constitution also enumerates the powers of the government, mm -hmm. and, 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 it, and it makes clear that only the powers delegated to the United States government are to the United States government. Everything else goes to the states or to the people. Right. So um, I kept bringing that up, and, and they're like, okay, well, there's this, you know, it's Amendment 10. I quoted it. And, um, you know, and I think I, 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 there was some kind of discussion after that, and I brought it up again. I come back to Amendments 1 and Amendments, you know, 10. I will not pay because of this Amendment 1 and Amendment 10. And finally he said, uh, he, he exploded, and he said, mm. uh, you sound just like Elaine Brown. Ah, and the audience erupted in applause. <laughs> wow. And he goes, and she just destroyed federal property, and she's going to jail for the rest of her life. And he stood up and, and stomped out of the courtroom. So, wow, you really, wow, did, that's amazing. Th yeah, he made him lose his cool. Now, how did, it, how did he claim that you sounded like, um, Elaine, or excuse me, what did she Referencing do? Referencing the Constitution, But apparently. did she, she destroy no, federal property? No, because Elaine, Elaine is always saying, show me the law. And what I was saying was, show me the constitutional authorization. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is sort of similar, but it's not really because the law is so impossibly complicated, and the Constitution is something we can understand. That's why I will not argue law with these people. I just want to talk about no. the Constitution. Because it's very easy for them to find something. They're to, lawyers, right? That to, to counteract, even if you're right, they're still find find something that uh, backs them up. Congratulations on getting the judge to to lose it. But what happened after that? It was it over at that point? Well, now, before that, he had said, now, you may be sentenced to 30 days in jail at some point for, for refusing to pay this. We're going to make it a contempt of court charge. And the prosecutor brought forward a contempt of court charge. That they'll, put, they'll haul me back in at some point um, for a contempt of court oh my. trial or hearing or, or whatever. Something. And then at that point, they may sentence me to an up to 30-day jail sentence. So that's where it stands. They might bring that charge, or they already have brought the charge. I miss. Uh, I'm a little confused about that. Uh, I'm not sure. I, they'll be sending me some paperwork in the mail, and um, what are you going to do with that? I, I'm a little confused. I think maybe they bring the charge on the next hearing. Hmm. So um, at this point, you have yet to uh, to consult with another lawyer in regards to what to do. You're sort of in the dark. This could happen. I mean, there could be another few weeks that'll pass, and they might try and come and get you. Uh, you don't even know if you've got another date or anything like that at this point. Well, no, that's not likely. They they are going to give me another date to appear. And how many, uh, how many supporters did you have in the courtroom today? Ten in the courtroom, but twenty-two total. That's fantastic. We have people outside. I think that's up from uh, from November or, or September or whenever it was you were last in court. Yeah, it seems to be up slightly, but it's uh, the the real uh, good thing here was that we we demonstrated for a long time this time. We mm -hmm. had that street corner covered for three hours, 
Um, and uh, last time, I mean, we only demonstrated for maybe an hour or something like that, and it was raining on us and everything. But this was like this was more like a carnival. <laughs> we had John uh, from New Hampshire who calls in frequently. We had him striding around with his little guitar, playing little tunes. That's fantastic. For us. Well, Dave, uh, as always, keep us in the loop as to what happens here. Do we miss anything? Anything that you also wanted to uh, to cover about today? I did get a chance to talk to, at some length with the uh, the Homeland Security Director there. I guess, I mean, I don't know if that's quite the right, I don't know if it's exactly his title. His name's Colonel Ferry, and uh, he's, uh, he's a higher up muckety-muck, you know, in mm-hmm. the local Department of Homeland Security scene. Uh, and we've had a few conversations, and he's probably one of my, you know, chief tormentors, you know, one of the people probably behind, you know, keeping this going and having the fine out there. But I have a good talking relationship with him, and, um, I, you know, I just he just to wants to break you. <laughs> yeah, he sort of does, but you can tell. You know, he's starting to. It seems like he really does feel uncomfortable about this. And I told him, I I want you to feel uncomfortable. That's why I'm willing to go to jail because it will make you feel uncomfortable. Wow. And, you, so you and, really are at this point. You've you've resolved to. You're definitely not paying the fine. And if it comes to jail time, you're you're going in. I'm going in. Wow, that's incredibly courageous. Do you think you're going to have your job when you get out? Uh, I I will, but it would be I'll lose a lot of hours. Yeah, I bet you will. Well, good luck, Dave, and uh, keep us informed. As always, you're doing a fantastic job. One of the most courageous people here uh, in the state of New Hampshire. I think a lot of people look up to you, and a lot of people are probably moving here sooner rather than later because of the things you're doing, Dave. Thank you, sir. We really appreciate it. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The packet eight dot net toll free line for you. Just amazing, an you amazing know, man, an amazing story. It's amazing that it, it, it all occurred over, uh, you know, handing out some flyers at an IRS building. Two flyers. Yeah, two flyers. It's not like he papered the building with flyers, hung them up on the walls, uh, made holes in the you know in the walls to put things up or anything like that. He he handed one paper to one of the bureaucrats mm-hmm. in the office. Because remember, he is holding a sign silently in the office. She asked him, why are you here? He doesn't make a habit of speaking to the bureaucrats when he's doing his silent protests. That's why they're called silent protests. So he had all of his points that he wanted to make written down on a sheet of paper. He handed that piece of paper to the bureaucrat who asked for it. And before he left, he placed another piece of paper on the desk of another one of the bureaucrats. That was allegedly what got him the fine. That was allegedly distribution of handbills. That's the uh, crime that he was charged with. This is what's going on in your free country of America. God knows our government officials wouldn't want to hear from us. 1-800-259-9231. You bring up anything on the way. Your calls about whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet 8.net. Toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features completely free, including live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both of them waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click Join Us Today. We'll find liberty together. RLC.org. To the phones, to the fun. Steve in Wisconsin, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Steve. Hey, guys. Thanks hey. for having me on. Sure. What's on your mind? Uh, I've listened to the show on and off for about six months, and I don't think this topic's been brought up before, but okay. uh, I think there's something wrong with the way this government works if you can lose a presidential election, even if you win a majority of the votes. 
I mean, if uh, most of the votes go to a particular candidate, I think that that candidate should be the winner. I was wondering what you guys make of that. So uh, looking at the Electoral College as an issue. Now, Mark, what was the, as, as, what was the reason for the Electoral College? Well, um, at the time, it was, basi- it was basically to make things easier. You know, everybody traveled on horses at one point, and, uh, you know, it was a lot easier to do just uh, state-by-state votes and then send the uh, electorates uh, to Washington, D.C., and, and those people would be, uh, you know, they would elect the president. So, so it would make sense, then, to essentially approach this from... Uh, from S- Steve's perspective, and that is uh, eliminate the Electoral College, let uh, the winner of the popular vote win, or would it be a wise idea to to, uh, to leave the Electoral College to give a little bit more sway to the states with lower populations? Isn't that also how it, uh, it's... Uh, it's benefiting people allegedly. It, it, you know, the, the, it, it's it's a holdover state. It's probably the last vestige of states' rights, um, and you know, certainly there are going to be uh, lower population states that are going to want to fight that. And well, then, then again, though, the uh, the electoral representation from New York and Florida and California and Texas probably is comes close to. Uh, to outstripping all of the other little states put together. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, I mean, there's significant numbers of votes there, right? That, absolutely, this, those states do matter. But essentially what's going to happen is not just the states, um, but it's actually just going to be the metropolitan uh, places in the United States are going to be where people are elected from. Mm-hmm. At that point, um, you know, w- what you've got to say in uh, Cody, Wyoming, just doesn't matter anymore. The only Does thing, it matter now? It matters a little does it really? It matters more. Hmm. It matters more than it would if um, if it was if it was all a popular vote issue. Um, at that point, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, maybe the top ten metros would be the only places that elected somebody. Seems seems to me like it's all an argument for abolishing the federal government entirely. I don't really, you know, either way, the metros have a significant influence on the election, whether it's popular vote or whether it's the electoral college. Well, it's because the states that have those metros have more electro, um, electoral college votes. Right. Sure. Right. So either way, uh, we're being swayed by them, and to some extent. So I don't really. To me, it doesn't matter. Mark, would you say you want to stick with the electoral college, or what? Where do you want to go? I like I like the idea of staying with it, but uh, you can pretty much guarantee that I'm going to. To stick with uh, you know most things. I'm I'm a status quo guy. Steve, any other thoughts? Uh, well, I was thinking you know about about smaller states like like Wyoming. Um, I don't think really candidates go there anyway. Um, yeah, they're how ignored. About, most how of the how about New Hampshire? Flyover states, and also I think well, majority of the uh, of the influence in politics right now I think is in swing states, and so it kind of gives like a disproportionate amount of influence to states like this one, Wisconsin and Florida, um, states that you know have. Uh, you know, sort of a balance between Democrats and Republicans, as opposed to if you're someone in California, then your vote is hardly going to matter because you're just one. I think you're disproportionately represented if you're in a small or a big state. Really, the middle states that get most of the influence, disproportionately so. Not, not really the middle states. Swing state doesn't mean middle state. Middle. I'm um, oh, sorry, swing state. That's what I meant. Right. A swing state means um, you know a state that's on the border. You know, close to 50% Democrat and 50% Republican. I I can also, by the way, think of one. One reason to stick with the electoral college system, I mean, if we're going to have this federal government, it appears we are for a while. Um, <laughs> it's not th- going anywhere. I think one reason to stick with it would be, for instance, when a bunch of free staters move into New Hampshire and essentially make New Hampshire the free state or the, certainly the, most, the, the freest state, which it may already be, but even more so. And when we have those people here voting for perhaps libertarian candidates, then there's a chance that a libertarian presidential candidate might at some point win their very first state. 
as far as get their very first electoral votes, in which case there would be a lot of attention paid to that in the news as opposed to just a total popular votes where, let's say, uh, you know, let's say 500,000 people in New Hampshire vote for the, uh, the libertarian candidate. This is a fantasy future, obviously. But let's say that happens. Um, then in that case, if the other candidates got 48 million votes each and the libertarian candidate got 500,000 votes, it could very well be ignored. But if the libertarian candidate wins an entire state or couple of states, uh, then that's I, that seems a little bit more newsworthy. They've got to paint it a different color on the map. You know, they got the red and the blue. They'd have to have a gold or something like that for the libertarian candidate. So that could be one reason to stick with it. And and there's also the, I, you know I'm not saying that. Uh that that uh, the caller, what's the caller's name? Steve. Steve is is yeah. in fact a libertarian, but that that is a very good reason why um, the electoral college is, you know, it's the way things are. Plus, um, it's it would be very good for the libertarians to to keep the elect- electoral college. And the other thing is, is how much better off would we be, have been if Al Gore had been elected? Not a damn, not, not a, a damn, damn bit. bit. Liberty would not have been advanced. Steve, so I think libertarians are People wasting their time that I'll, on this that issue. I'm a Democrat because I bring up this this topic, um, but I, you know I bring it up disregard of the 2000 election. I mean, uh, it could happen any time when you know it's possible. I haven't. I'd like to do this calculation, but to see exactly how many votes extra could you you know how many extra votes could you get over your opponent and still lose? Hmm. I mean, I don't know exact. I mean, it'd be interesting to do that calculation, you know, theoretically. But it, it's kind of you know it disturbs me a little bit. I know it doesn't usually happen. It only happened one other time. Interesting point. It, it's it's rare, but I just don't think it's an issue that libertarians uh, benefit, uh, you know, from promoting. Yeah, yeah, one way or the other. Thanks for the call, Steve. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Glad you asked, though. Let's go to Nate in Maine. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Mark. Hello, Nate. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? Oh, man, I am from. I'm calling from Maine here, like and like I said, and uh, I'm about to be moving to New Hampshire pretty soon. Here Excellent. It's ridiculous over here. What's as, going on? As you know. Uh, it's just it's it's crazy the, the the stuff that's going on up here. The, Give me an the example. Taxes, uh, the taxes on like for example the taxes on the cigarettes. It's already a double tariff, and they're trying to add another two dollars on it. Whoa! And um, you know it's just crazy. And I think people should pull together. I don't know how we. I, I'm kind of new to the whole politics game. I'm just starting to wake up to all the corruption and bullcrap that's going on. Well, that's what you're going to find in politics. It sucks. Uh, politics yeah, yeah. is terrible. And I don't know what I don't know how we could do it, but if we could just get everyone to agree on abolishing the Federal Reserve, that would help us out so much. The tough, uh, it's going to be tough to do, though I know Ron Paul's going to make that a... He's, is, that, is he going to make that a campaign issue? I know it's one of his big issues just normally, one of the things he writes about, but Mark, as somebody who's been following the, the Ron Paul campaign, do you feel like that might be one of his three issues? I think so. I think that that's uh, one of the things that he's going to approach. Because he did just announce his candidacy, right? Or no, did right. he announce his... Uh, no, his candidacy, he very recently announced his... Uh, candid, uh, his uh, Campaign commission the, or whatever. The, right, the, whatever the, uh, it is. And then to today's announced his candidacy. T- is that official? That, that happened today? That's, that's what I'm hearing, yes. Oh, okay. Well, that's good news. So Hopefully he doesn't get assassinated. Well, I, I, mean, I just don't. It doesn't seem likely to me um, that that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, I, I'm with you. I hope he doesn't. That's, uh, if he gets assassinated, just be one more reason to secede. Just be right. one more reason. Hey, God bless you guys. Well, thank, thank you, you, Nate. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Don't believe in God, but I'll take the blessings. Your blessings are great. One I eight, believe God blesses me every day. 1-800-259-9231. Yes, by allowing you to do a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sure. You bring up anything. Coming up, a lot of people say that uh, if it weren't for the government, people would starve in the streets. Poor people wouldn't get any help. 
Well, we've got an example that will run counter to that. Coming up, you take control as well. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231, packet 8.net, toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. We do ask you to voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. There are 35 categories of products. There's a lot of stuff to shop from. Big ticket items, small ticket items as well. Everything in between, uh, everything from DVDs to books to, uh, let's see, children's toys. We've got accessories, clothing, furniture, sporting goods, you name it. You can probably buy it at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Odds are good. The price will be great. And uh, your ship, uh, shipping might be free with free Super Saver shipping. Very good chances of that as well. Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And the best reason to shop there is that a percentage of your purchase... A decent percentage, I might add. We'll go to Free Talk Live. So once again, shop at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Well, Mark, we talk a lot on this show about solutions, uh, market-based solutions to government problems. Of course, government to me is a problem in general, but it certainly creates more problems than it solves. Uh, Government, for instance, tries to help poor people, but it ends up just enriching the middle-class bureaucrats that run the welfare program. Right, it's a lot better at that than it is at uh, taking care of poor people. While uh, while also uh, cutting checks to people that have learned how to work the system and might not actually need them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when when we get on the air and we cite those statistics, when we cite that information, we we usually say something to the effect of, well, private charity could help this situation. Let's get get welfare and helping people, allegedly, out of the hands of government, because government ends up only hurting the people it intends to help through confiscatory taxes. Let's get it out of the hands of government and put it in the hands of private individuals and charities. And some people jump back and they say, well, people, that will never work. People are, are evil. People won't help each other. And, of course, well, they're making an argument against government. Right. They people don't realize are, People are bad and greedy and they won't help people. Well, then why do you want those people in charge of your power. government? Yeah, to have power and to be toting guns around. Well, I found an example. In fact, actually, it was one of our listeners who emailed it in. Uh, found an example of an agency, a charity, that is helping people without a cent of government money. And whenever I see a story like this, I find it interesting, and I think it's worth sharing. So, from the BBC, it's been called the most successful rehabilitation program in the world. The Delancey Street Foundation in San Francisco puts hardened criminals, including thieves and murderers, in charge of their own recovery. And it doesn't take a penny in grant money from the United States government. Instead, the residents support themselves and each other by running a string of businesses, including a gourmet restaurant. It's a 500-strong family, and much like a normal family, the punishment for those who step out of line is washing the dishes. UK Prime Minister Tony Blair visited the place recently, prompting calls for the concept to be introduced in Britain. Nestling in the shadow of San Francisco's Bay Bridge and the Delancey Delancey Street Foundation looks more like an upscale Mediterranean resort than a commune for ex-cons. Inside, the place is immaculate. James greeted me warmly. Now, just as you listen to this, try to imagine the government even coming close to doing something like this. I, I, ca- I can't imagine that it works. Uh, a commune for ex-convicts being immaculate? That doesn't sound right. James greeted me warmly. I don't know if you could describe this as a commune. Again, they're running businesses. Yeah, communes don't really do too well on the business front. Anyway, James greeted me warmly, dressed in a suit and tie. 
The only evidence of his notorious past, a necklace of tattoos peeking above a crisply, uh, crisply starched shirt. He never really stood a chance. His mother was a prostitute, his father a member of the Hell's Angels. By the age of 44, he'd spent nearly half of his life in prison. He has a rap sheet which reads like an encyclopedia of crime. Drug possession, assault, attempted murder. But now James is going straight. The first stop on our tour, a gourmet waterfront restaurant run by the residents and open to the public for lunch and dinner. The place serves around 500 people per day, most of whom have no idea the man or woman serving them is a former car thief or a cat burglar. Wow. James took me to meet Winifred, the rotisserie chef, who told me that he had robbed banks because he was lonely. Winifred was caught by the... <laughs> He's lonely. Winifred what a great was... idea to rob a bank. He was caught by the FBI attempting to transfer his ill-gotten gains into an offshore bank account and served 11 years, 4 months, and 2 days in a federal prison. Not that he was counting. A year into his stay at Delancey Street, he says he'll never do another hold-up again. He'll remain there for another three years and acquire the skills that he needs to rebuild his life. By the way, it takes a total of four years to graduate from Delancey Street. As we moved what on, what does graduating get you? Uh, maybe it'll tell us. As we moved on uh, to tour the coffee shop, car service, and bookstore, James told me that residents live and work together, pool their income, and take responsibility for each other's welfare. Funding for Delancey Street comes from profits generated by businesses, by their businesses rather, and donations. There's no cost to the residents the community, or the government. It's a concept he believes could work well elsewhere. In the canteen, in the common room, gang members rubbed shoulders with hitmen, mafiosi chewed the cud with con men, and white-collar criminals shot the breeze with white supremacists. There was no hint of tension. The residents all seemed far too busy for that, either acquiring an education or learning new job skills. Then it was back to the restaurant for high tea with Mimi Silbert, the founder of Delancey Street, and the only person in the place who's not a former criminal. Which is not to say she hasn't been to jail, plenty of times, in fact, during her course of work as a criminal psychologist. She founded Delancey Street in 1971 with four residents and a $1,000 loan, and has since turned a decrepit warehouse into a lavish residential and retail center, a place which has seen more than 14,000 multiple offenders transformed into law-abiding citizens. Mm, wow. Mimi says Delancey Street doesn't accept... So they only accept multiple offenders? Uh-hmm. Well, they, the only thing they don't accept are former sex offenders or psychiatric patients, simply because they require special care. That sounds like, I, I would agree with that. With such care, she believed the concept could also work for them, too. I told her what James had told me, that Delancey Street is a family he never had, and she glowed with pride. James, she said, was now one of her recruiters. He goes into jails to spread the word about Delancey Street. Plenty's changed for James in recent years. He's told me that the last time he arrived at the county jail, he was mistaken for a lawyer. Hmm. 1-800-259-9231, an example, maybe you have one, of uh, private agencies, charities, performing services for people that uh, government could never even imagine. Well, before. I must say I'm amazed by this uh, Delancey Street uh, um, or organization. As a former prisoner? As a former convict, yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm amazed that you can put them all together and, ma and, and get it working like that, but... Mm -hmm. You know, it only makes sense that the free market would be able to pull it off, whereas the government has all kinds of organizations just like this. We call them jails and prisons, and they fail constantly. Recidivism rates are tremendous. Think about how hard it must be. Uh, and nobody even expects, and nobody even has, a, has a, a, an expectation that we will do well. Think about how hard it must be for someone who's getting out of prison, someone who's spent years of their life locked away for whatever crime they allegedly committed, they get out of prison. They've got probably next to nothing in their bank account. 
I believe that most prisons give you a hundred bucks when you leave, and uh, it's, you know that's enough to get a Greyhound bus back to Mom's house or something like that. Well, they give you the ticket, bus ticket too. Presuming your mother still wants to talk to you, chances are good she will. Imagine what it must be like to get out, get back into the real world, and try your damnedest uh, to reintegrate into society. When all you've known for the past several years of your life has been prisoners, imprisoned, uh, you've just essentially you've been around people, maybe learning more about other crimes, that sort of thing. The only thing you might know is how to be a criminal. You might not know how to go out and, and get real And the work. only thing you've been exposed to um, for the last X number of years or months are other criminals. Right. You put a bad person in a bad place, and then you treat them badly, and, with the, and then release them and have the expectation that they're going to act right. And this is a flawed system. Now, I know they have work programs in, in prisons, and that can help, I'm sure, to an extent. To, what do you mean to, by work program? Like they send the prisoners out to go and actually work in uh, in real businesses, right? You worked as a dishwasher, didn't you? Um, they, they, oh, like a work release program, yeah. yes. That, that does happen. So it certainly did help. There's that. But, but they're, they're making it harder and harder. Every time some convict uh, escapes from, uh, absconds from one of these... Uh, Work release programs, then the the restrictions get bigger. Uh, sex offenders can't go to work release mm. um, now. Um, you you know, murderers and attempted murderers and all kinds of charges simply can't go. It doesn't matter whether they're going to get out, and they are going to get out. They just can't go to the work release program. So, they have to be released directly from prison. Right. So let's let's look at that. Let's say a, a murderer, alleged murderer, gets out of prison, not allowed to go into the work release pris- uh, program. He's back on the streets mm-hmm. trying to get a job. And we all know how difficult it can be for these people to get their first job. Who wants to hire a murderer or an alleged murderer, well, right? Well, they have, just have to go to the right places, but uh, well, oftentimes... Yeah, but who wants... They're hard to find. They, and so with organizations are, yeah. like Delancey Street coming into jails and prisons and saying, come here after you get out. We're going to help you. We're going to give you skills. We're going to uh, re- help you reintegrate into society. What a valuable thing. Mm. It was created by the marketplace. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call. If you make it now at 800-259-9231, that's the packet 8.net toll free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so uh, do enjoy those. They're on us. Though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by voting for us. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com. Did you tell me earlier, Mark, that we're still number one? That's what I at last I saw, yes. Okay, that's good news, but it doesn't mean that we're going to stay that way. We still need you to vote if you've yet to do it. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com when you get in front of your computer, and it'll take you less than a minute. All you need is your email address, and it makes a big difference for us because us being number one, the number one podcast in the world, according to podcastalley.com, means that more people will find the show. They'll spot us there at number one and say, hey, what's that? And they'll click on it, and they'll listen, and they'll like it, hopefully. And then they'll continue listening, and they'll discover the message of freedom and liberty. So if that's important to you, definitely go to vote.freetalklive.com. Our, our, our percentage, uh, you know, our, is a very small percentage uh, that we have in, in the lead over our the lead? Uh, okay. yeah, over the Potter kid. By the way, do you have a child in your life? Be they son, daughter, or sibling? Give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. School doesn't teach kids about money. Only their loved ones can do that. Give your special child A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich. Order it at akidsjourney.com or call 1-800-657-5066. That's akidsjourney.com, 800-657-5066. So let's jump into the email box, Mark, shall we? I believe you have one. 
that you wanted to share? I do. I, um, we were talking the other night about uh, the, the expression, Jesus H. Christ. Where does the H come from? Right. Well, um, from Robert. Robert did it, huh? No, not that. Not, not Robert Wicks. The email uh, came from Robert. No, yes, the email gotcha. came from Robert. Using the name of uh, Jesus Christ as an oath has been common for many centuries, but the uh, precise origins of the letter H in the expression Jesus H. Christ are obscure. While many explanations have been proposed, some serious, many humorous, the most widely accepted um, derivation is from the divine monogram of Christian symbolism. The symbol, derived from the first three letters of the Greek name for Jesus, is translated IHS, IHC, JHS, or JHC, since the translation IHS gave rise to the uh, Backronym. I'm not sure what this is, but y- you know when they write Jesus, the old uh, it's the old way to do it was with an I rather than with a J. I don't know if you've ever seen this. So it's never. Like, um, it's like Jesus um, homonym Salvator, and it's Latin for Jesus, uh, Savior of Men. And I don't, I certainly don't know what Greek is. So hmm. you know, pardon me if my um, if my pronunciation's bad. It's uh, plausible that J-H-C, similar to the Jesus H. Christ, led to Jesus H. Christ. So, basically, it's uh, the the homonym, um, Jesus, Savior of Men. So, you know, he, yeah, that's what the H is from. So the H sort of stands for homonym, which means uh, meant man, and so there you go. Yeah. And that's that's the idea. That's I, th- the I thought it was kind of interesting, and you, you know, it's it's nice to to know where these things come from. Still, though, there's nothing firm on it. There's no firm historical answer. He doesn't claim so. No. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one to uh, my email box, and Brennan writes in, "Hey guys, I like your show. Keep up the good work." Now, I totally respect your opinions about the war in Iraq and withdrawing troops and so on and so forth, but we can't really afford to do anything like that. First of all, I'd like to state something that we should not forget about. If it was not for war and America fighting, we would not have an America. We would not have freedom. And I think that we really need to show people in other countries that we're not going to give up on that concept ever. If it weren't for war in general, we wouldn't have freedom? Is that what, is, is that what the, really, what, what the, hold on, could you reread that whole thing for me? I, I, I don't even, I didn't even understand what he was saying. If it was not for war and America fighting, we would no, no, not have... No, no, read the whole a, thing, because there was something that I was found well, a little... there's this thing about respecting our opinions and right, uh, that, that, blah, blah, blah. And he says, we can't really afford to do anything like that. that do anything like what? Withdrawing troops. Oh, I see. When you said afford, all I could think of was money. And um, and then it got me stuck on, it's a lot cheaper to draw the troops back. He can't be talking about drawing the troops back, so I, I just didn't understand. Right. He's saying we can't afford it because people will think well, we're... How about this? All those other 190 nations in the world, they don't have troops in every um, nation. How is it that they manage to survive? Well, how they're come, not free. How come the hordes haven't descended upon He's, them? He says we have freedom because we have war. But that's not so. War is the health of the state. Well, you're right about that. And uh, the only thing that can take away freedom is the state. So maybe we're not invaded because we have fought wars, possibly. I I would say, um, you know, I would conjecture otherwise. War doesn't create freedom either. It destroys value. All war does is destroy things. It destroys lives, it destroys property, and it destroys hearts and minds as well. War doesn't do anything to create freedom. But let's go on. He says, now the war in Iraq was totally unnecessary. But... I'd agree. But... Which, of course, negates what he just said. 
But I think if we're going to start something, we should at least finish it. And by the way, he he uses the collectivist term we throughout the email. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't start this war. Mark, you didn't start this war. And I actually would dare say that Brennan himself didn't start this war. It was the United States government and its bureaucrats that started the war. And, you know, th- there's, the, there's another point there. If the bureaucrats started the war and they paid for it with, the Ameri- with Americans' money and blood, then shouldn't the, the bureaucrats be fighting the war? Why the heck? I mean, we elected these people. They're our servants. Why aren't they over there fighting the war instead? I'd like to point out that I didn't elect those people. But, you know, why don't we give them knives? Let them fight the Iraqi rulers instead I'd of using that. troops. It just doesn't make any sense I to me. I would actually contribute money to see that <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it myself. He says... Uh, he says says he thinks that we should at least finish it if we started. He says we should keep pursuing Osama bin Laden for his part in 9-11. Do you, th- do you think that it makes sense that we should, um, I mean, we started interring the Japanese, uh, you know, Americans we and should camps. Finish we it. should finish the job. As a matter of fact, interring them is only really going halfway. Let's lop their damn heads off. We started, um, you know, enslaving black people. Let's just go ahead and continue doing it. Look, mm. If there's a bad policy and we find out it's a bad policy, we should stop. Ah, uh, but here's why he thinks that we should continue, so-called we. Uh, another thing, if America does show our weaknesses by withdrawing our troops and keeping peace with other countries, it will show people that we are weak and we do not want to defend our nation. Peace is weak? Do you look at the bully on the schoolyard and think he's strong? No, that's a guy with a lot of deep-seated problems. He's not strong. He's disturbed. Look, I'm sorry. Beating, uh, beating people up and flexing your muscles and showing what a big man you are does not show your strength. And it shows that you don't understand what manhood is. Mm. Excellent point. Uh, he says, I don't want to start a fight, but that's just my opinion, says Brennan. I, I don't want to fight with you either, Brennan. But, um, you know... Well, he apparently wants to start... He doesn't want to start the fights, but he wants to allegedly finish the fights. But what's the parameters of finishing this fight? What was... What we st- he, he may not want to start them, but the American, the United States did start this fight. The fact is, if uh, the war in Iraq were to end today, then that would actually help out what we discussed at the beginning of this show, or in hour number two of the show, and that is the, the problem we have with international travelers not wanting to come here anymore. It might give them an extra reason to actually come and visit America, mm-hmm. because the government isn't freaking insane um, and, and starting wars of aggression around the world. That might give them one reason to uh, give us a second thought. Uh, and also, yes, uh, he says he didn't want to start the fight, but the fight was started, and now he wants to finish it. So what are the parameters? What is going to take to finish this fight? Total obliteration? Yeah, what could possibly finish this fight? I suppose a working democratic government in Iraq, but what are the chances of that? Does that mean that, uh, yeah, what are the chances? They have a (laughs) government. Very slim. (laughs) They have a government, and it's working like other governments in that it's failing. And I think that you've made a really great point that, um, you know, this is, it's sort of a, a, a show of, Free market, um, the free market versus government in this particular instance. You know what they have over in Iraq is a revolution. You know an underground revolution going mm-hmm. on, and they're o- overthrowing their American oppressors. I'm sure that there's cases where um, you know big governments uh, have managed to crush revolutions like this, but it, it, to me it shows that it's kind of interesting that these these uh, this group of ragtag revolutionaries are is able to hold off the largest, most powerful army the world has ever seen. I find that very interesting as well. So Brandon thinks. The war is unnecessary, but he doesn't want to end the fight. So does that mean that by um, conclusion that he would also support 
bombing these people to death? Would he support a nuclear weapon being dropped? If he didn't support the war initially but wants to finish the fight, would a nuclear weapon solve the problem, Brennan? Write in and let me know or give us a call. 800-259-9231 to the phones. Let's talk to Joe in Atlanta. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. How's it going? Going great. What's on your mind? Well, I was just, uh, you know, I do want to see everybody pulled out of there. Excellent. Iraq. And I do not want to see us go into Iran. I agree. Um, And all I hear, you know, I hear the same thing. You know, the the cut and run, you know, we're going to show that, you know, we don't care to defend ourselves Ugh, but it's not they defense. never define they never define what success will be how could they know what success will be why it, would they bother yeah. you know it's it's a hell of a yeah, lot easier to throw leave. out insults like ah you're yellow you want to cut and run it's a yep. lot more fun and interesting to, to cut people down yeah it, well it, it, that shows that they don't have an argument yeah. you're absolutely okay. right and joe i'm gonna when, have to show you that we're idiot. out of time thank you for the call it's been <laughs> ian here with you and mark we'll be back tomorrow night and of course joe's welcome to call back then as are you welcome to call about anything that's why we call the show free talk live we will see you online in the meantime it's good to be back a full week of shows on the way mm-hmm. this is free talk live DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 